I love his books. They're mm-hmm. fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, and he has a new one that I, I really want to read. That I think Jocelyn's read at least one of his books and really yeah. enjoyed it. Well, they're they're so they're so odd because his first book was Ewadi on Ewadi, a cinematic odyssey, wherein he is interviewing himself about his body of cinematic work, which to date had been submarine. Um, oh, right. <laughs> and then he writes, uh, he wrote another one, which was The Grip of Film, which is ostensibly him presenting the work of another guy named Gordy Lashore, and it's hilarious. Um, and so his new one is called On Top, and it's about the Gwyneth Paltrow movie, View from the Top. Uh, <laughs> okay. And that, that's what I like about his books, is there's so, like, most comedians, if they write a book, it will be a funny memoir, yeah. or like, hey, here's me talking about this subject, like, you know, yeah. what have you. Uh, but Richard Awadi, it's just like, I don't know, random Gwyneth Paltrow movie? <laughs> like, <laughs> Let's do, yeah. Oh, no, I like that. Let's do a deep dive about a movie that nobody's seen, that nobody's seen in at least five years. Uh, I think it was like a 2003 movie, so it's been, for most people I'm willing to bet, it's been 16 years, <laughs> if they saw it at all. I know I didn't. Nope. I don't know what that is. Okay. Anyway. Uh, All right. Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that is now exclusively about comedian Richard Aowadi. Hooray! I am Max. (laughs) I'm JR. How's it going? Uh, it goes. Um, this week was weird, work-wise, just because it felt like... it's what, Okay, so having a day off in the middle of the week, Thanksgiving, is like... You start on Monday and you're just like, why am I doing anything? Because it's like, you know you're going to have that day off in the middle of the week, so the whole week feels like a... It feels like a week of Fridays. Yeah. And I just... Then I got stuck with a thing that I didn't want to do. Or not that I didn't want to do, that I found out was impossible. So, that was cool. Yeah. Uh, But then Thanksgiving was good. We went and hung out with her family. And then uh, we came home and I called called my family. And, yeah, it was fun. Yourself? Uh, It was fun. I... Thanksgiving is... I've never really liked Thanksgiving. Actually, I had a thing on this. What? Thanksgiving is the... In my opinion... Thanksgiving is my favorite national holiday and my second favorite bank holiday. So, it was a little... It was a little disappointing. Difference being... Uh, I don't think New Year's Day is a national holiday. I don't... I don't think so. No. Uh, New Year's Day is the... 
is the best bank holiday. Okay. Because um, you don't have to do anything. And you just watch Twilight Zone all day. Yeah. You, you drink. When my brother lived here and I, and I lived here, uh, it would be go to Rex's, uh, eat Black Eyed Peas eventually, <laughs> play board games, drink, and Twilight Zone is on the background. That's the best because it's so low impact. New Year's yeah. Day is just hang out with people you actually want to hang out with. Um, there's no, cause New Year's Day, there's no like expectation of like, we have to go to five different houses like Christmas or whatever. Right. Um, especially, yeah, we have to go to so and so's house and we have to be there for this amount of time and we have to do all this prep. New Year's Day is fucking rad. Um, Thanksgiving is my second favorite because normally it's just go to a place, be there, generally try to be enjoyable, and then leave. Yeah. See, my my thing is, for a long time, Casey and I had <clears throat> had the whole go to five different places because uh, we would we would have her family, my family, uh, her extended family. And then uh, we would also go and visit her mom in the nursing home. Right. Um, thankfully, things have thinned out somewhat because since my grandma passed away, my mom has lived out south. So the only immediate family I have in the area now is Dave. So he comes over to Casey's family. Uh, Casey's extended family, they now alternate between having because uh, it used to be we would go there for Thanksgiving and we would go there for Christmas uh, they now alternate where one year it'll be Thanksgiving one year it'll be Christmas and that's so much better Yeah. Um, and so there's that there's the fact that growing up like my my family I love my family uh but they make me profoundly unhappy. Uh, and so, growing up, I never liked Thanksgiving yeah. for that reason. It's just like, hooray. Uh, but, uh, but also, like, the, uh, the, <clears throat> uh, just the stress of all of it, and a lot of that had carried over. This year was actually, like, it was fairly low stress. We just kind of threw a thing together. Um, and it was pretty low-key. Uh, we saw we saw Casey's mom the day before because we wanted to be sure we saw her. And yeah. they were talking about potentially shitty weather on uh, the day of. So we went ahead and saw her on Wednesday just to make sure. Right. And so that meant Thursday was just, like, we hung out, we made a little bit of food, and then we just went over that afternoon. So ours was yeah, real low key. I don't we didn't even leave the house until two. I had a spa day, essentially. Nice. Nice. Yeah, took care of my scalp. Cool cool. So, so I'm less flaky, hopefully. Alright. Well, and you, dear listener, feel free to let us know how your Thanksgiving went. Just Write it down, yes. fold it up into a bird, and then release it out the window. The wind will bring it to us. Don't you worry. We've got, we've got this 
We've got a thing set up. The, so. the, the wind will bring it to us eventually. I mean, yeah, it depends. It depends on it depends on what kind of weather pattern. If are you in would effect. like to put it in a bottle, feel free. But no, we are living in a landlocked state. Yeah, it will take us a while to get it. Yeah, it's got to make its way through the through the river system. Uh, it would actually have to be brought up into a cloud, <laughs> transferred to. Michigan, no, not Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, put into the Mississippi or the Missouri uh, riverhead somehow, preferably the Missouri. If This is hard. Don't do this, is basically what I'm saying. Bottles. Do the origami bird. Do the bird. That'll be, that'll be better. Yeah. All right. All right. So, uh... News. We haven't even touched news yet. Uh, Marvel has worked out a deal where they are going to be uh, putting out comics of the classic series Ultraman. Uh, If you're not familiar with Ultraman, I'm not going to explain it to you. Like, you have Google. No. uh, I'm not super familiar with Ultraman other than it's been around... For a while. Yeah. Uh, like, and a while I'm talking, the properties probably, feels like it's been alive since the 60s in Japan. I think 70s, but okay. I'm not 70s, sure. 70s, it probably feels more correct. But, like, it's a Japanese property. Uh, it's one of the uh, tokusatsu series. Like Godzilla, yeah. Super Sentai, yep. Kamen Rider. All of, the, all of those are sort of that same overarching genre. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, think Power Rangers, but one dude, less Zords. He, f- in in the shows, he would fight a dude, he, it's a dude in a motorcycle helmet that fights uh, monsters in foam. Yeah. And, that's, that's a, that's a shitty way of selling it, but, it's... There is a new show on Netflix. Oh, really? That they just came out with. It's an animated show. Uh, oh, based okay. Based on that. But it's, it's the same sort of idea of, it's sort of that overarching, there are different series within the franchise, uh, but, yeah. you know, within the context of Japanese shows, it's like Common Rider in that Ultraman is kind of the catch-all, and then there's, the you know, the various series within that that may or may not have varying degrees of connectivity. Uh, it just depends. Yeah, it's... It's interesting. I mean, you've probably you've if you've never watched Ultraman, you've probably at least seen oh, Ultraman. You've seen an Ultraman. Uh, if if you have spent any time on the inter- internet between two thousand and now, you have seen an Ultraman GIF. Right, I guarantee it. Uh, so Marvel is going to be putting those out, and uh, yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, um, I had. I never really watched Ultraman, but I used to have some of the toys because there was a combining robot in one of the series yeah. that would combine with the Ultraman figure, and it was a whole... Oh, yeah. wow. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, so that's cool. Um, Ultraman is one of those things that I don't know how well it's kind of... Because a lot of the other... A lot of the other... Uh, 
series have been adapted in some way for U.S. audiences. You know, Sentai became uh, Power Rangers. Kamen Rider was briefly Masked Rider. Right. Um, Metal Heroes became VR Troopers or Big Bad Beetleborgs. (laughs) Uh, You know, stuff like that. Uh, I don't know that they ever did that with Ultraman. I don't think there was any any explicit, like, this is... It was probably a, a hybrid Kamen Rider. Mask Rider was probably a hybrid of Kamen Rider and Ultraman. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, what? I, I don't... Re- I watched Mask Rider... I mean, I was way into Power Rangers as a kid. Yeah. Um, I was technically a little, just a bit outside the demographic. Right. But it combined superheroes and giant robots, so I was on board. Uh, and so, you know, they, they did the crossover episode, so I started watching Masked Rider. I don't recall any Ultraman in that, but that's not to say there wasn't. Yeah. I, I, don't I could know. have been speaking out of my butt as well. I want to do that. Yeah. Uh, so. So, yeah, that's neat. Um, um, now if only... I don't know why, but all of a sudden I was like... Because you were describing like how there's several different series and they're with varying degrees of interconnectivity. Uh, and I immediately thought of Gundam and was like, well, that's a rat's nest. Nope. Yeah, Gun- Gundam is much, is much the same in that, yeah, there are... They all... Some are explicitly like this is a sequel. This is yeah. yeah there's the universal sen- there's the universal century. Yeah, uh, and then there's the side stuff like Gundam Wing and yeah. G Gundam. Same same kind of thing with you know. There's a lot of there's a lot that carries over, but you know there may be some series that are just kind of like this is sort of its own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vague, uh, vague relation and nothing else. Yeah, it's, or it, Transformers they, does the same yeah, thing. GI Joe. Yeah, uh, you know there were. Yeah, so same basic idea is that there's an umbrella series called Ultraman, and then there's various series within that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I who's on it on the Ultraman book? Oh, uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if they. The announcement I saw didn't mention anything, but that might have been slightly preliminary. Uh, uh, it could have just been Marvel's going to do Ultraman books now. But, uh... But, yeah. Um, I don't see any creative... Yeah, story and creative team details will be shared at a later date. Alright. So, so, yeah. We'll find that out later. Yeah. But, uh... Other than that, we have, uh, there's a new Thor series starting, uh, and he gets a new costume, uh, which kind of, kind of looks, uh, if you've ever, if you've ever seen, uh, a series where somebody had tried to, if you've ever seen a, a comic where somebody was trying to do a Thor book, uh, that was like it's Thor, but it's not that Thor. Uh, the new the new costume, what I saw of it, kind of look reminds me of something like that. Like if somebody were doing a, a 
let's capitalize on Thor because it, but it's uh, public domain, so we don't have to. Yeah, uh, it kind of looks like that sort of design almost. That's just my opinion. Why would you do but, that if you were Marvel and you own Marvel's Thor? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying that's the that's the thing it made me think of. Okay, is like somebody's off-brand. Uh, you know, public domain, public Thor. domain Thor book. Uh, but that's not to say it's a bad costume. I'm just saying, like, it is. It's radically, it's radically different from what Thor has worn in the past. But it's still demonstrably Thor. So it's like, that's why it made me think of the public domain thing. Oh, is because yeah. it's different enough. Yeah, they to... do. but you feel like it's like when you find knockoff Transformers and you're like, these are definitely not Transformers but they're meant to evoke yeah. Transformers. Uh, but in the in the process, so if you've been following Thor for a while, first of all, uh, <clears throat> when Thor became unworthy to wield Mjolnir as a result of original sin, he then lost his arm in a fight against Malekith. Uh... Since then, he's gone through a few different arms, because his first one was Dark Uru. Mm -hmm. uh, but then he's gone through a few, like he had a he had a destroyer arm. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. Uh, and then he also lost his eye. Uh, and so, apparently in this new series, which is written by Donnie Cates, uh, I, I forget who the artist was, Nick... Shoot, I forget. I will look that up. Um, but the uh, the upshot of it is he gets them both back. We do not know yet how. Um, just that he does. Um, so that's that's cool. I mean, it's it's comics, so you kind of gotta take everything with a grain of salt. However, however, it is restored. It's going to be a because comics situation. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I'm okay with that. I guess the one other thing is uh, Marvel had a Neolithic gay couple. Uh, what? But, yeah. Uh, it was part of 1 million BC. Uh and you see, you see various, uh, I, I just saw it, so it's Nick Klein who's going to be doing the art for Thor. Okay. Uh, I just saw it again as I was checking, um, but the upshot is basically that, you know, you, Marvel 1 million, or 1 million BC is just like, you know, the first Black Panther, an early Ghost Rider, uh, yada yada yada. Well, in the process, they kind of they kind of track the the history of the star brand, and you see like T Rexes with the star brand power. Well, the first the first uh, wielder human human ish wielder of the star brand is a uh, I believe a Homo erectus. Uh, that has um, that power, and he and another Homo erectus uh, are a couple, apparently. Which you know, cool. Like, 
I'm sure there will be a lot of people uh, bitching about that, that it's just like, well, you know, homosexuality is a society. Just do not, just do not email us. I do not give a shit about, like, this show is about our views. Uh, I do not give a shit about yours, especially if it's stupid and wrong. So stop and think, am I likely to think your opinion is stupid and wrong? If so, if so, I just don't, I don't want it. Just hold on to that shit. Just yeah. like assume I know what you're probably gonna say, right? And that I don't want to hear it. So, oh, okay. In other words, fuck you, listener. No, no uh, listener, you can come back. Come back, <laughs> listener. It's fine. Just no shitty listeners. Just I don't no, want shitty listeners. No shit, like, that we don't have shitty that many. I don't. We don't have that many listeners, and the ones we've talked to on the on the Twitter at least have been very nice. On the Twitters, the Twitters. I saw that. Ex, uh, the Thor thing explains why. I the Thor the new costume explains why I was seeing tweets that were talking about like, uh, if you were to do. Uh, public domain Thor comics and like what that would be like and uh, I was wondering what the hell we were talking about yeah um speaking of comics yeah let's uh let's actually get some talked about yep uh so we start this week uh with Son of Satan number four which is written by John Warner penciled by Pete Craig Russell inked by Sonny Trinidad colored by Petra Goldberg and lettered by Pat Condoy. Uh, I will say, this run of Son of Satan has some great fucking covers. Yes. Uh, the two last issues this week are by Gil Kane. Um, the Son of Satan number five is by uh, is it Ron Wilson and uh, Joe Sinnott. Stuff like that. I couldn't find who did four offhand. But yeah, they 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 do some really good fucking cover. The art in general is pretty solid in this book this week. But uh, but the covers I was really I was really impressed by. Um, but yeah, so uh, we start out with a little bit of rundown about how Damon finds himself in. At, uh, it's not George Washington University. It, it's in it's, D.C. It's uh, District University. Yeah. And, uh, like, how, what the last, like, what the last few issues were like. Yeah, we we get kind of a rundown of, like, the possessor and the destruction of Damon's house and Satan sealing up the, uh, the doorways to Earth and yada, yada, yada. Now, if you'll recall, the last time we covered uh, Son of Satan... There was a brief vignette where the head uh, of the um, of the paranormal or parapsychology. Uh, I think he era, was trying to make Damon head of the parapsychology. They were, yeah. He was on. he was putting Damon forth as a candidate yeah. to head it up. Uh, but this this one, we actually find out that in the process of trying to sell what's left of his family home, uh, he gets a letter from the dude and he agrees to do it because at the beginning of this issue, he is at District University 
where he meets uh, Seraphatems, uh, who is an albino witch. Um, which, all right, you know, like, I, <laughs> I'm not really sure. Like, what is the albino doing for us? I don't know, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is done because John Warner was just like, got to get some albino representation in there. Sure. Uh, or if it was done because it's just like, got a witch character. I know, let's make her an, uh, her an albino because, uh, or whatever. I don't, I don't know how to read, uh, their motivations in this, uh, but whatever. She's an albino witch and, uh, she shows Damon to his quarters in the dorms. Um, meanwhile, Dr. Anderson is talking to a research assistant. Uh, named was it Amelia. it Amelia Sefton? Yeah, and uh, I forgot to look up and see whether because I'm wondering we've got a we've got a woman in Son of Satan with the last name Sefton. I wonder if there's a connection to Nightcrawler, uh, uh, but I forgot to check before we started reading because I am a winner. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he tries. Damon, we cut back to Damon. Oh, uh, Amelia is working for Dr. What's-His-Face. Anderson. Anderson. He, she's been assigned by Anderson to be uh, Damon's research assistant, basically so that Anderson can keep an eye on Damon and make sure that, you know, he hasn't just put a nut bar in charge of this department that he really needs to work um, because otherwise I guess he'll look bad in front of the rest of the college people um, cool we cut to back to Damon who's like I just realized I need a nap because uh, my house blew up and I've been fighting demons nonstop for the last two weeks uh, yeah so he sleeps and has a weird dream wherein we are introduced to a bronze-skinned man in what looks like ancient Egypt attire. And then we find a bunch of, like, he looks like a cultists, some kind of cultists. And he meets his mom again, who has been very dead. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mom's dead. And. But she's also hanging out with a demon. I don't know. A lot of this is weird and difficult she's to track. Like getting rich. She's a nun. Yeah. Uh, and Damon is like, well, but she. She was going to uh, perhaps have joined a convent, but then didn't, or whatever, uh, and then, so it's like, none mom, and then Satan shows up, and he's just like, you ready to go, babe? And she's like, yeah, I am, and they start tonguing. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's all very symbolic, and 
you know, in dreams. fairly obvious ways. Um, and then Prophet shows up, and they are a. Uh, I think Prophet is a she. I think so too. Because they they do use the uh, the female pronouns, but later. not yeah, but not until like three issues in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're gonna go with she, and uh, she, she is a an oracle, and she is the one who is crafting the dream that he is experiencing. I think. Yeah. And then. Son of Satan, or Damon's like, well, then, uh, what the hell do I do with this? And she's like, I don't know, bye. Yeah. Like, I'm the Oracle. I, I just make the, I make the oracular stuff happen. You figure it out. Yeah. And, and he, uh, which honestly, he should have known. Like, you're a professor of, of weird shit. Like, this is, this should weird be shitology. Your, yes. This should be right up your alley. Yeah. Um, then he releases the Dark Soul because he's getting pissed and breaks a mirror, meets some great... This dream's fucking weird, guys. Um, yeah. Um, there's, there's a thing about Serapa dead and in a coffin, and then there's, there is a... Uh, a period in which he is confronted both by his human side and his dark soul. Um, which is the theme running through at least this issue is his like confliction between how to, whether or not to embody both or how and or how to juggle being one or the other. Like, he he hasn't made that decision yet, um, and that's what the dream's about. Yeah. At least this section of the dream. He wakes up uh, and Prophet is there, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't know what they're. I'm just the prophet. I'm. I don't know." And then she pieces, and at that moment, his head starts pounding, and we're given a, a cool shot of like. Not only is he on the floor, like, kneeling, grabbing his head, but we were told there there's an occupant in the room next door as well, and they're on the floor grabbing their head, and there's these cool, like, kaleidoscopic pain lines radiating from both of them, and then uh, there is an explosion in the next room, uh, <clears throat> which embeds his neighbor in his wall, uh... Upside down, legs crossed, one over one knee, and sort of crucified upside down. He's, he's in the hanged man yeah. position, which, like in the next issue, Damon curses himself for not recognizing it. And I'm like, yeah, man, like, I'm not even an occultist. <laughs> I'm not a professor of weird shit. And uh, I knew this. Yeah, like, I, I recognized that immediately, and you didn't? Come on, Damon. Get your shit together. You should know better than this. Uh, but yeah, so, um, yeah, Seraphah, Seraphah 
shows up to check on Damon and there's like holes blown in walls and shit. Um, but Son of Satan number five starts and the police are there investigating the dead dude buried in his wall. And uh, they're like, hey, you're dressed weirdly. And Damon's <laughs> like, I know, but I didn't do it. And uh, I am dressed weirdly. Don't worry about it. Yeah, no, like, got a, clearly a cult explosion happened over here. Uh, I, I want to ask you a couple of questions, because you're not wearing a shirt. And like, you have a pentagram on your chest. And I'm pretty sure that's Bahamut on your back, so I need to know what's going on. Yeah. You're a very well-informed uh, street cop. I just, you know, I keep my ear to the ground. I read. Yeah. I read. <laughs> What, you don't think beat cops can be informed? That's on you, man. Well, like, uh, there's a difference between being informed and knowing the dark arts. <laughs> knowing of the dark, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Amelia Sefton shows up, too. And she's just like, hey, I'm oh. here because why not? I'm here because uh, uh, I needed to be here. Also, oh, your shit exploded. Yeah. That sucks. I guess we'll leave. Do you yeah. think that cop wants to talk to you? Oh, I know that he does. Let's go. <laughs> so they all they all go to have like a, a department meeting with Doctor Anderson when suddenly they're attacked. Attacked by like um, it's it's like a psychic attack. Yeah, they're all they're all pretty well laid out. Um, some are able to sort of bend it off a little bit bit better than others. Um, but they're attacked by Anubis, and uh, Son of Satan, you know, we keep calling him Son of Satan. Damon. Yeah. Damon, uh, Damon deals with it and kind of ends the immediate threat, at which point people sit up and are like, oh, my head. Um, also, why are you wearing that? <laughs> Damon uh, heads home. And he gets a call from a dude who's just like, hey, we've got a place we want you to check out. And he's like, well, now's not really a good time. And the guy is like, all right, whatever, man. And we were hoping you could look at it now, but I guess go fuck yourself. And uh, it turns out that it's this dude, Silas Warden, uh, whatever, who cares. Um, we'll get to that. But uh, Damon goes in and is kind of looking around at... Uh, Silas's, uh... And it's the neighbor's apartment. Death scene. Yeah. Or, not Silas's. What am I... He, we, I don't know that we have a name for him yet. Yeah, no. The, I, I was just... I was looking at my notes and saw Silas, and I was like, that's the guy's name. Uh, he, the neighbor's apartment, and, uh, realize, you know, realizes that this guy was doing something specific, but that the wards he'd set up should have headed off um, sort of the backlash of what he was specifically doing. Which means, um, and he basically gets to the fact that there, there was sabotage or poor instruction or both. Yeah. Uh, but then he's attacked by Mindstar, uh, who's just like this dude with like golden armor. And, uh, yeah. He's, he's a lot. He's a, he's a lot. You, you, 
he's one of those dudes that you look at and you're like, all right, we get it. You can kind of, you're at an 11. And you need to tell I me. need you to be more at a 7, maybe. Yeah. Like, let's can, see what you think a 7 is and we'll talk. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah. So, uh, they, they fight, um, but, uh, in the process, Darkstar takes uh, Amy hostage. That's Amelia. She they shorten it to Amy at one point randomly. Yeah. Um, but uh, Darkstar Darkstar makes it so that uh, Damon's uh, whenever he touches his trident, the trident hurts him. Yeah. And uh so he drops it, but then he's just like, Bro, I don't need to touch the trident to use it. And so he uses it to blast Mindstar. And Mindstar's like, No, I could not have foreseen this. And uh <laughs> and uh He's very no I could not have foreseen this, but he'd already taken one shot to the ribs and was fairly well or fairly weakened just from that. And it was like, oh, you're a glass cannon. We, the reader, see that because Damon's way too distracted at that point yeah. to actually get that to register. But we, we as the audience are like, oh, if you could just land a couple on this guy, he's done. Um, yeah. Then we have this really weird moment after Damon saves Amelia where, and I guess it's because he's let the Dark Soul like take control a little bit. That he sets Amelia down and is like, you dumb person, and smacks her for being in the way. Yeah, she's like, like, oh, thank you, and he slaps her, and he's just like, I could have dealt with Mindstar if I hadn't had to save you. Yeah. And it's just like, man, like, I know you've got the demon thing that's like welling up, but still... Like, a dick move is a dick move, Yeah, Damon. You you lost... You went down two notches in my heart. That's, uh... You, what, what is it? Somebody I I saw referred to that sort of thing as a Richard relocation. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, yeah. So, Amelia is just like, you know what? I get that you got some shit going on, but fuck you. Well, and uh, she still hates... He helps her back in, and she's like, man, you still suck, though. Yeah. Um, But, uh... The epilogue is, uh, we meet uh, Silas Warden. He's a dude in a wheelchair, and he has a shadowy benefactor. Yeah. So, uh, Son of Satan number six, um, which, like I said, uh, these issues... Six and seven have covers by Gil Kane, and they're phenomenal. Um, but uh, Son of Six, Son of Satan, number six, so uh, is ass noises. Penciled by Ed Hannigan and colored by Hugh Paley. Uh, we see Damon in his classroom for like the one and only time thus far. In his teaching career. He's been a teacher at three different universities that I know of 
And this is the only time I've seen him attempt to teach. Yeah. And immediately he breaks down under the pressure. Yeah. And uh, he he manages to play it off with his students because he's just like, ha ha, that was, uh, that was uh, me trying to prove a point somehow. Uh, what point I was proving, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, um, he meets with Serafa and, uh, he's like, hey, so I am, uh, I'm the son of the devil. And she's like, that's cool. I'm a witch. And they're like, cool, 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 cool. Uh, and, uh, we, we do get a slight break for a story about a guy who's uh, having trouble sleeping and gets... He's having a nightmare about a monster that is basically eating his soul. Yeah. When... Because the cover had talked to... Or the end of the last issue, or the cover of this one, had talked about, like a guest star or a surprise villain or something like that. I had thought based on the red jewel that we were going to get like a pseudo juggernaut or Mm -hmm. something, but no, he's just like some asshole and he, uh, he gets taken over by this thing. Yeah. He Um, gets taken over. He gets lured to a spot in the woods where he wanders into a cave uh, and just as this... just a heads up, if you if you are awoken in the night by voices telling you to go to the forest, it's not it's that... not for a like surprise Elvis Costello drop in, yeah. or they're not going to give you can. It's always bad news. Do not go where the voices tell you to go. The voices are never leading you to an ice cream party. Right. It's never good. It's always just like, oh, you've been possessed now, and are you ju- fucking idiot. You are now a 14-foot-tall monstrosity. Yeah. Hooray. But so, uh, Damon, having apparently taken his leave of Seraphah, uh, goes and looks at the house that the very pushy man on the phone told him to go check out. Uh, once he gets there, he is beset by just general weirdness. Like, first, like, everything bursts into flames, and there's, like, weird demon things. And he's attacked by the astral, the elementals from each of the, uh, each of the planes. Yeah. And in order, we get fire, uh, water. Weird mermaid, mermaid people. And, um, uh, he's about to be attacked and then he's attacked by earth so we only get the three fire water fire water and earth and he fights through each one of those and is like this is the place where this back room is where these forces are obviously trying to keep me from getting at uh fuck it i'm going in now before air comes out of here and blows me away yeah uh so he barges in and oh shit it's um it's Mindstar waiting yeah. for him. because And also, finally, we get the why there's been so much goddamn Anubis and, and uh, imagery because he is being welcomed to the court of Anubis. 
Yeah, and we find yeah we find out that uh, <clears throat> Silas Warden, real estate agent, has been acting as middleman for Anubis, who grants him a portion of his power in order to do stuff. Is it ever firmly established why uh, Anubis has a Narcon for uh, for Damon, or is it just... If it is, oh yeah, because he's got the spirit of that other guy from oh, the dream. The, the okay. bronze dude. So, but yeah, that no, no, wait. Mindstar told Anubis that the soul he was looking for, which has been reincarnated again and again and again, has been reincarnated into Damon, and it's his dark soul. So but that's why Anubis wants him. But it was actually the neighbor, yeah, who got exploded, who got exploded and embedded in the wall. Okay, that's right. I I knew. Uh, I knew that somehow that made sense, but I couldn't remember yeah, how. Yeah, that's all. That's all the beginning of seven, I think. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, Son of Satan number seven is penciled by Sonny Trinidad, colored by Bonnie Wilford, and uh, lettered by Karen Mantlo. What was the cover for that one? I um, don't remember. That's right. It's, this is a fun house with. Mindstar and Anubis and... Random thing. Yeah, yeah. just okay. random galactic horror. Okay. But yeah, again, good cover. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so... Damon finds out who Mindstar is, that this is the uh, astral manifestation of Silas Warden. And then Anubis shows up, and uh, it beca- it becomes kind of a three-way fight, because Mindstar and Damon have their shit to work out, and then this creature that had been the dude from the last issue that uh, blundered into the woods uh, is now like trying to destroy both of them on behalf of... Well, it's primarily trying to destroy Mindstar for having turned against Anubis, but Damon is there, and it doesn't really care all that much. Uh, So... In a, meanwhile, we have Serifa, who's just like, Damon's in trouble, he's going to need some help. So she has, she's on the phone with her coven, telling them to get a ritual together, then she begins it. Prophet is watching uh, Serifa and is just like, you know what, I know what all of those portents meant, I, I really, I need to get under... I need to get involved. I can't keep sitting on my hands. Yeah, he, or they, she is like, basically makes a decision that she shouldn't, she shouldn't be sitting on her hands for this one. Yeah. Right? Like, sometimes it's okay to just be Oracle and watch these fools blunder around with the information that they're given, but this one seems, seems out of hand. Right. Um, and so Mindstar and Damon agree for the moment to set their shit aside um, and focus on surviving uh, Anubis's monster. Um, so, and this is when we find out that Anubis is looking after the or looking for the soul that Damon saw, the Bronze Man that uh, Damon saw in the dream. 
And Damon's like, okay, alright, this makes sense. And he's like, okay, so, Anubis, your boy over here lied to you. That's Satan in me. And Anubis is like, what? He goes, yeah, no, the soul you're looking for is gone. It reincarnated itself again, presumably. And he's like, oh, for fuck's sake. And that's when Anubis straight turns on um, Mindstar. Yeah. And uh, everybody gets sent to... Anubis is playing. Everybody includes Mindstar, Damon, and the monster thing that they were fighting. Once they're back in Anubis's plane, he reverts to a dude yeah. who is, uh, you know, I, I, I freaked the fuck out. I, I mean, freaked, I freaked, he handles it pretty he well. Freaked the fuck out, but honestly, he's like, okay, so who are you? Where are we? What's going on? And he's like, you are in the land of the dead. And he goes, okay. I'm going to put that in the background for a minute. I don't know if I can handle that right now. Uh, but I can see, I see some shit on the horizon. Should we go to there? And everyone like talks around and they're like, you're oddly astute for a man in the, in the realm of the dead. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's go look at it. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, um, this whole thing just goes wonky. Uh, Prophet gets involved and winds up being blasted. Um, well, because Anubis basically goes, hey, alright, so, you're right. And, like, I now that I've got you here, and I have more control over everything, because this is my goddamn realm, um, your bot, those aren't even your bodies, you idiots. Your bodies are over here, and I can tell that yeah, you're right. That isn't the soul I'm looking for, which means, uh, Damon, I'm sorry. Uh, oops. And, uh, Mindstar, Silas, fuck you. Fuck you. And now I'm going to destroy you. And Damon's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can I destroy it? And Anubis is like, cool, as long as somebody gets destroyed. I don't care. Uh, which means Mindstar and, uh, Damon go all out. Yeah. Um, and... This fight's fun because since they're actually in Astral right now, uh, since they're both in Astral now, Damon or Mindstar doesn't have an advan a speed advantage on Damon. Yeah. And eventually, Mindstar because that was the big that was the big thing since since Mindstar is Silas's uh, is Silas's Astral form empowered by Anubis, he had the speed of thought, basically. Yeah. Um, and here, because they're both astral forms, that advantage is now gone. Um, but, yeah, they battle... Um, Prophet, jumps, Prophet jumps in front of a blast meant for Damon and goes down, which... I don't know why, but... Damon loses his shit. Uh, the devil comes out and fucking destroys Mindstar's astral yeah. form, which is like his soul. Uh, he tries to save Prophet, or he tries to compel Anubis into saving Prophet, and of course he won't do it because he's Anubis. Or no, wait, he does. I forgot. Um, about uh, that. No, 
Damon heals Prophet. Oh, he does. So Anubis is just like, yeah, uh, not really my thing. But good luck with that, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so um, Damon travels through a portal and brings Prophet back to Earth. But yeah, she's like, you cured me, but uh, I'm now just a person. All of my all of my power uh, is gone. So I'm just a regular a regular woman with horns and pointy ears, um, and no fashion sense. So I'm going to go out and explore what this whole thing is like. And uh, I have a feeling that her her being completely normal. Like is really just a version of her definition of normal. Like she can still, she could probably still teleport and is also immortal, but she just can't use her oracular uh, seeing anymore. I, I don't know. I at the end of this, who cares? Yeah, at the end of this, I'm never going to see Prophet again. At the end of this, uh, I'm not going to research that. But at the end of this, uh, Serifa and Damon, uh, yeah, bang. After Prophet having, is never seen again. After having met each other less than twenty-four hours before, I it, mean, but okay, it could have been could have been half a week, but it doesn't feel like they know each other. Who cares? Long enough, but yeah, I get it. Let 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 the weirdo occultists fuck. Uh, so yeah, so I don't, I don't know, like, compared to other, uh, slightly occulty books that will come later, uh, it's, it doesn't stack up that well, but compared to some of the stuff that's come previously, I'd say, I'd say it stacks up reasonably decently against that. It's some pretty high concept, weird occult shit. Um, it's... So, yeah, it's it's good in a... Because the hard thing to do, and I think that's the thing that a lot of modern writers, or more modern writers, sort of mess up with Son of Satan, and why I wasn't really that interested in, it, in him ever, was it's hard to make it not Doctor Strange, right? Right. And these early stories, anyway, in his own book... Uh, do a good job of making him it feels very infernal other, rather than mystical. magical yeah. yeah and that's that's a diff- that's a weird line to try to try to or like balance and they're doing a really good job here um, I don't know yeah it, it, this is a high concept story and a lot of the times I was going uh, but I think it is definitely one of those bo- or one of those stories that is ultimately successful. Even though, while while I was on the journey, I was very uh, confused and or annoyed. I don't think it did a lot. A lot of the things that it did on the way were like what. Uh, but like, is does this work? It does. It gets there. I guess is the point. I'm rambling. 
I think that you know when you when you compare. I think if you're looking for this type of book, this sort of thing has been done better by like Hellblazer mm-hmm. as an example. Yeah, uh, Sandman at times, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to the stuff that came before, like the early Ghost Rider, Ugh. and like you know. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is kind of all over the place. I think that this stacks up reasonably well against the sort of the Doctor Strange, the better Doctor Strange stuff. It's not left. It's not like if you compare the two, this is going to just be like complete and utter shit, right? Uh, yeah, like Ghost Rider would. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, um, Ghost Rider. It's weird to to know that Ghost Rider is going to get so much better. Um, maybe not soon, but yeah, I think we have a while before that happens. But yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think you're right. It stacks up comparably. Yeah, uh, to, the, our, to the better Doctor Strange yeah. stuff and the like. It's not like well, that's garbage. Um, it's, yeah. it works. Yeah. So, uh, let's take a break and we'll be back with some Marvel 2 and 1. And, uh, <laughs> uh, they're like, Brendan, where are you from? And he's like, oh, I'm from New York. And they're like, oh. And, uh, <laughs> and everything. And, uh, um, they then ask one of the others and he's like, I'm, uh, I'm from Pittsburgh and they're just like, Oh, cool. And he's like, what was that? <laughs> what the fuck was that? And so he asks them and they're just like, well, one time I went to New York and there was a trash on the ground and they're like a whole trash. <laughs> and he's like. Uh, one of the others goes, I went there once on a four-hour field trip, and it was not the kind of thing I liked. <laughs> but he goes off. He goes the fuck off on people shitting on New York, and it's great. You should watch it. Anyway, uh, we are back, and we're here to talk about Marvel 2-in-1, uh, which I know everyone was really waiting for. Um we start this week, uh, this week's bit of two and one with number 21, which is written by Bill Mandlow, penciled by Ron Wilson, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Janice Cohen, and lettered by Kieran Mandlow. Uh, things start as we see both the present day and, uh, 1936, um, concurrently. As uh, events are unfolding, we have both um, both sets of individuals. Meaning, well, both both groups, and it's Johnny and Thing on one side, and Doc Savage, Monk, and some other his dudes. Whole crew. His whole batch of people, um, and they're both visited by uh, women with the last name of Leitner. Right. Uh, one is a miss, and the other one is a missus. Right. Um, 
through the course of it, we're told that uh, the one visiting Johnny is the daughter of the one visiting Savage. And they both have creepily similar stories about their brother in the present and husband in the past. Right. Because it's the twin brother, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Basically, uh, Leitner Sr. was a... uh, was a Nobel Prize winning scientist. Uh, Leitner Jr. is also a scientist, uh, but he's got such a proud streak that, like, even as Tony Stark is, like, throwing money at him to do work for him, he's just like, I don't need your charity. And it's like, dude, it's not charity. You're a fucking genius. Yeah, Tony's and, in this flashback. Tony's like, I... I don't know what to do. I want to let you do whatever you want, man. I just want to give you money, and then I'm a capitalist. Like, have you have you not heard how this works? Yeah, I te- I own your ideas. That's that's it. So that I, that sounds real bad when it comes out of my mouth. Like I don't that. even know, I don't even know if that's what he's because he, he says there are no strings on this oh, yeah, award. That's what he says. Yeah. And so it's literally like Tony Stark. Is trying to just give you money to do science, <laughs> and you, but this guy is just not having it. So he starts throwing himself into his father's research. Um, the research that Dad was doing was already driving a wedge in his marriage, uh, and so Leitner Jr. has blown through his inheritance. Uh, and so they're now basically broke. All they have left is the house. Um, and he is like demanding that his sister, uh, give it to him so that he can fund his research. Uh, and she's like, no, it's all we have left and it's mine. And, uh, yeah. So in the course of this, we find out, you know, there's, the Leitner men are working on a device that will harness the power of the stars. Um, yeah, it's called the Star Cannon. And which there's no way this is not going to be a supervillain origin. If you have something and you're calling it the Star Cannon. Yeah, or Sky Cannon mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, it's not a telescope, man. It's a cannon. Like... Yeah, you're a supervillain. You're, you're either going to be firing stars or firing at stars. Either and way. either way, you're not the good guy in this situation. No. Uh, so, <clears throat> Doc Savage and his group and Thing and Johnny agree to accompany the women to the Leitner estate. Um, and as, as they're kind of waffling... The entire city goes dark in yeah. both time frames. It's like when... Uh, um, what, what movie is that where... I mean, it's several movies. It's like in... It's the part in the movie where you turn on the... Into the Spider-Verse yeah, does big it. A, big ass machine. I feel like one of the Ghostbusters did it too, but I might be making that up. Uh, but like you turn, you flip the switch and the whole grid goes down because yeah. we're we're pulling all of that energy to one point right. um, and the only point that is still lit is the direction of the estate 
Uh, so everybody climbs into their flying vehicle of choice and uh, heads toward the Lightner Estate. When they arrive, both groups are hit by the blast from the cannon. Um, one of it is it's directed back. Like it took me a while to figure out where when we were. And I, I guess that's on purpose, because the first thing after they're both hit... Yeah, so it hits the thing, or it hits the flying machine of your uh, temporal pres- preference, and the ray from the cannon is directed back into the Lightner Man of choice, and this temporal disturbance ends up fusing both, <coughs> both men into one entity called Black Sun. And, yep, you're a supervillain now. Uh, So, Doc and his... Doc Strange and his savage and his weird coterie are all... And Ben and Johnny and uh, Lightner Daughter... the And the Lightner Daughter are all falling through the sky. Uh, Janice. Janice. Her name is Janice. Doc Savage and his people all have parachutes. Ben doesn't... Or... Johnny doesn't need a parachute. Uh, Ben doesn't need a parachute, but nobody knows that. So Johnny goes to save Janice. Ben just hits the ground. Yeah, he does. He does the superhero uh, the the superhero landing before the superhero landing became a thing. The superhero landing now is like the Iron Man landing, where you're like (laughs) fist down all of that. Before (laughs) it was just letting yourself slam into the ground. (laughs) The original superhero landing. And he's still a dude in a suit, isn't he? Yeah. Okay. Like, that's... I think that's just something we should keep in mind. Uh, he should be liquefied inside that, but oh well. Um, inertia and... Like, inertia know, and comics it, is a thing we sometimes care about. I, you know, Reed Richards and Tony Stark, uh, I have come to the conclusion, are assholes. Simply because... They allow the NFL to continue using just basic helmets when they've clearly solved, you know, like CTE in the Marvel Universe should not be a thing. No. Uh, but it is, it still is. Um, yeah, they did a whole comic. There was a whole thing about that. Luke Cage got it. Yeah, that's, that's what uh, it was. And... You know, I understand Luke Cage doesn't wear a suit, so there's no way nobody's out there just being like, "Hey, Cage, maybe you should wear one of these," <laughs> like, or anything like that. But Reed Richards and Tony Stark have both clearly found a way around it. We know from the Luke Cage comic that CTE is a, is still a thing because nobody's just like, "You have what?" Yeah. Nobody's seen that in twenty years, like you know, or anything like that. Uh, it's not like CTE is polio in this universe. Right. It'd be like, oh my god, you have CTE? We eradicated that. What did you do? (laughs) How? Uh, well, okay. So, uh, everybody gets up and we have a hello, who are you? Real quick. And Doc Savage pulls Ben out of the ground and he's like, holy shit, you're Doc Savage. And Ben's like, or Doc Savage is like, yes, I am, because I am a gruff, manly man. And then the house explodes. 
because this is actually a lot more fun than I remember it was. Uh, then the house explodes because Black Sun. Uh, everybody fights everybody. Um, and which, if you're Doc Savage's people, means you shoot guns at it. And if you're Johnny, you shoot fire at it. None of this seems to be really going well. Yeah. Ben jumps in and punches him, and it does nothing. Uh, everybody tries to sacrifice themselves to stop Dark Sun from floating off into space. Well, the, and the, they the, were. Doc Savage works out in fairly short order that anytime the clouds clue, are covering yeah. the covering the scene uh, he loses then power. he becomes weaker and so they're like trying to time their attacks with when the, when there's cloud cover but they they fail and like black sun starts floating up into the sky but then we just get kind of lucky in that the power is burning them out yeah it's the power I mean I, did, I forgot to look this up, but I meant to. Was, I'm pretty sure around the time of when this book is being released is is around the time that we actually, we as a human culture, get confirmation that black holes are real. Like, and <coughs> they well, get, and they, they, they mention... Get, they, do, they do mention black hole science in this earlier. Right. And like... But it's still not as public knowledge of like what they are and what they do. It's just light can't escape from. It's something so massive that light can't escape from it. Um, right. That's at least in public consciousness. Uh, I think around this time, um, and and it's important. Like it comes up around this time because I'm pretty sure this is like around when we first finally get measurable evidence of a black hole. Uh, so. So what happens is he, Black Sun, gets up and closer and closer to the stars and basically begins absorbing so much power that it collapses in on his heart and kills him and he falls out of the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Or stops his heart. He isn't dead. Sure. Um, like, and, and by, you'd, think, you'd think stopping his heart would be pretty unequivocal. But they, um, well, the last thing they say is like, or so Doc Savage and his his crew uh, fade back to the past, um, and uh, I love Ben here who's like, oh man, I didn't get your autograph yet, and how do you like that? Me, his biggest fan, and Janice is behind them like, please, my brother needs a doctor, help. Yeah. Uh, and Johnny at the very end says, we'll get him the best one there is. We know a guy named Doc Blake. Or, yeah, Don Blake. So, they think there's a chance to save him. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, it's, uh, um, I guess as far as black holes go, uh, it was really, black holes had been band-aid around to some extent like a uh, a student suggested the name black hole in 1967 I think, uh, uh, for them and Einstein's one of the guys who actually like 
initially theorized their possible existence. Well, right. There was a, there was a lot to do with uh, special. Uh, sorry, special. Uh, general re- relativity. Right. Um, if you're if you're not a, if you're not aware of what the difference between general and special relativity is, general relativity says that basically. Uh, an object's mass, the larger a thing, or mass, and energy. Ben, bends space-time. Yeah. The larger a mass, the more it bends the fabric of space-time. Basically, the way to look at it is, if you have a large room, and you suspend a blanket, yeah. uh, taut between its four corners... And throw a bunch of balls on there of varying weights and stuff like that. They all make divots in the fabric of that blanket, uh, and that's what that's what general relativity is. Uh, it basically says that this curvature, and they've done studies that confirm this. That basically, uh, if you are looking at a star. What it may be is that the star stars will actually their light will bend around planets and suns and That's things like think. that. Yeah, and so yeah, it's I'm terrible at explaining this shit, but that's that's the basic of it is that mass bends the fabric of space time. Uh, so that was it. Einstein discovered that there was a whole lot of work between then. And the quote-unquote current day, uh, the most recent in all of this being Hawking and some other people who actually worked out like the science of black holes in the early seventies. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's the point at which you know you start seeing stuff like this. Yeah. Um, I just remember there's like a big, there's a boom in black holes, like in culture. Yeah. Around this time, because there had been a fairly impressive advancement in like how we understood what they were. right, and I think that was that was Hawking at yeah. all uh, that really touched that off was uh, you know there had been talk of black holes and I think you know varying uh, I was looking at something that said that basically. Uh, <clears throat> Somebody had worked out that past a certain size, mass just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, that then led to other... Yeah. And so... <clears throat> but it was Hawking and the rest that actually worked out the specifics of how a black hole would function, mm-hmm. theoretically. Um, but of course now, you know, us living in the futuristic year of 2019, we've actually seen a black hole now. We can take pictures of them. Yeah, but anyway. So, at the end of this, they, they're they like, let's go talk to Dr. Blake. Uh, so, number 22 is uh, colored by Don Warfield. And uh, Johnny does does something pretty, pretty impressive here. Yeah, uh, like, he's... This isn't something that I think... A, he works out... He works this out on his own. Which is well, right. That's is, that's, that's the impressive. impressive. That's the impressive. It's not just that Johnny is using his powers in different in a different way. It's the fact that he is doing this on his own and working out. Well, okay, 
So freezing him would cause a, you know, cause him to enter a state where we could get him to the hospital and cellular death wouldn't occur. I can't freeze him, but I can, and it's all kinds of weirdness, whatever. Well, he basically, uh, he thermodynamics the situation, which mm-hmm. is he pulls all the heat from his body and focuses it. He pulls all the heat from Dark Sun's body and into an aura around him, yeah, which is neat. Yeah, like it's kind of um, Iceman does similar things where, right. um, yeah, it's it's a cool. I don't know that they explain it too well, which is actually right. also kind of cool. Like he knows he can do a thing, and he's trying to explain it to Ben and, and Janice here, but he doesn't really know how to explain the thing like if Reed were here he'd tell them in, yeah. possibly in ways that they would understand but he's just like I think just here I think I can do a thing if I put the heat in a different place and they're like whatever man do it um, and they do everybody gets in the fantastic car um, and they take off back to New York uh, meanwhile doc, Dr. Don Blake is allowed to do medicine for reasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're in, just like, in, hey, you're back again. Even uh, in his introduction. like, So they're in the operating uh, theater, and there's people in the, the, the windows above, and one of some randos just like, yeah, he's one of the top ten surgeons in the fucking world when he does surgery, but... He just sort of bops in and out whenever he wants. And it's like, yeah, you shouldn't be allowed to do surgery. Yeah. Uh, So, a mysterious person in a cloak and hat, pulled low to disguise his features, wanders in and uh, scares the hell out of... I've worn hats. I've worn hats. I've worn hats. I've worn... Trench coats. And again, they do not disguise who you are. You're just you wearing a trench coat and a hat. Like, I have never understood this trope. Like, I get if you're, like, standing in a dark parking garage with, like, the the sides. Fine. But... It's better than a rubber mask. (laughs) Well, but still, it's like, it's not this magic face-obscuring disguise that you're just gonna then throw it off and it's just like oh my god you're hideous or whatever but yeah so dude in a trench coat and hat shows up and um we get a pretty good if you've been reading all of the comics like we have you get a and also you looked at the cover we get a pretty good uh uh indication of who this man is or who this person is because they're very clearly missing one hand yeah um and they have a death touch. And they have a death touch and and glowy eyes that make you do things. Yeah. They, this person, uh, proceeds to beat up a bunch of orderlies and scream about getting to Blake. Where is Donald Blake? I'm gonna murder him. Um, and the whole time, because Donald Blake is a consummate professional, uh... He continues to do the surgery, uh, gets to a point where the patient is stabilized, 
and unhooked from all the shit they got attached to him or to them and then pushed out of the operating theater as uh, this masked person attacks. Once everybody's out, or after everyone has left, the ma- the person looks at Donald Blake and goes, Hey, where the fuck is your cane? I know what's up. Let's go. And Don Blake's like, Oh. Oh, you should know that. No one should know that. But if you know that, well, fuck it. Wham! <laughs> and Thor's out. Um, I do like the... I like the little break of the huh you shouldn't know that instead of just going to Thor like yeah how do you know that that's bad he Thor shows up and he's like okay this is bullshit but he figures that he's he's pretty well he thinks he knows who this is which I also like that Thor you know swirls the hammer around blows the coat off this guy and he's as he's doing it, he's like, "Reveal yourself, Loki!" And he's like, "I'm not Loki. I'm set, you idiot!" And oh shit, oops. Yeah. Oh well, I'm still Thor. Uh, so it's me- at this point that the the Ben and uh, Johnny arrive with Janice and Black Sun, uh, and they make their way inside, and they're just like, "Wow, it's." Really quiet, except for in there where it's really loud. What's going on? Where is everybody? So they go in, and uh, there's quite a touching little moment where uh, Janice is like, "What's what's going on? Like, what's going to happen?" And Johnny's just basically like, "Ben's the best. Don't worry about it." And Ben like kind of smiles, and he's and it's like. If the situation were reversed, he'd be saying the same thing. Um, <clears throat> stuff like that. Nice little, nice little camaraderie These thing. These last few pages are probably of this book, of this issue, are probably like some of the most. Oh, I get it. Like why people like Ben Grimm so much. Yeah. Like because Johnny. Yeah, Johnny telling Janice, don't worry about it, he's the best. Like, if he's going in there, whatever's in there is about to stop. And uh, Ben remembering, or hearing it and thinking the same thing, like you said, and then as soon as he gets in there, it's just, he blows through the door and he goes, excuse me, guys, and just wallops set right in the face. Yeah, And he's like, I real hope you're the bad guy because it'll be real embarrassing if you're not. And he's just funny as hell the yeah. entire time. And uh, then Set pontificates something and he's like, uh, okay, cool. Thor, what did he just say? He's like, there's about to be a lot of danger. And he goes, alright. Um, and then so this skeletons. Ar- yeah, skeletons. This set summons this army of skeletons into the OR, uh, and the, I love that Ben's reaction to this is, "Okay, Thunder God, I just got here. Uh, what are we doing? You got any ideas? I'm, I'm out." And he's like, "Just battle while well, you've never battled before." And he's like, "All right, it's clobbering time." I, I just, 
I finally this these three pages or whatever they are are like very oh I get it like yeah. this when people are so like the things my you know people really love him this is the, what they're thinking of yeah it's really okay I get it now so uh, it stops there and then picks up in number twenty three which is written by Bill Mantlo and Jim Shooter. Penciled by Ron Wilson and Marie Severn, colored by Hugh Rayleigh, and lettered by John Costanza. Um, we are suddenly transported from the OR to uh, the bridge that leads to Heliopolis, uh, where we last encountered Set. Um, and uh, Set basically, in the course of things, Set reveals that he has taken over Heliopolis, stripped. Uh, Stripped Isis and uh, who's the father? I think it's Isis, Isis and Osiris. Osiris, thank you. Because no, I was wait, like no, Horus. No, Horus is the brother. Horus is the brother. Uh, it's Isis and Osiris in this. I don't know why they don't have a Ra. Yeah. But. Well, whatever. Because uh, Ra, Ra is off doing his thing elsewhere, usually, isn't it? If I learned one thing from Gods of Egypt, it's that Ra is usually doing the sun thing. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, but anyway, so Osiris and Isis have been stripped of their power. Horus has been strung up and is on the verge of death. Um, and so uh, Set is just like, yes, I am in charge now. Blah, blah, blah. Um, Thor and Thing basically decide, uh, okay, I've had enough of this bullshit. Thor attacks the chains that uh, Horus is hanging from in an effort to free him, but uh, Mjolnir bounces off. Uh, Thing gets almost mind-whammied by Set. But Thor intervenes. Thor intervenes. Thing gets up, punches him in the mouth, and he's like... And Set's like, okay... All right, that's enough of that. Yeah. Uh, I am tired of getting punched today. How about a monster that I have made a deal with that it's called the Devourer and it has been chasing Horus for eternity? Yeah, it was locked up. Uh, and Horus, now... Horus and somebody else locked it up and now it is... It is Revenge mad for Horus. Right. So Set promised the Devourer that he could have Horus as long as he, as long as the Devourer helped secure his reign over Heliopolis. Um, the Devourer is freed, comes to try and eat Horus. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I need, what I need is a team book where it's just, it's Thor. It's Hercules, it's Horus, it's assorted other random mythological beings. Yeah. Uh, just being a team, doing God stuff. Yeah, that would be fun. I kind of remember... I thought there was like a conclave. Er, shit, when was that? It's the start of... Secret Wars? 
most recent Secret Wars. No. Oh. Uh, where Loki gets sent as an envoy, and it's a conclave between Greek, Nordic, and Celtic gods, I think. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm misremembering that. Anyway, the Devourer shows up, tries to kill uh, Horus. Thor stops him. Horus is still strung up, but the Devourer comes after Thor and Thing. Thing, they find out they can hit it all they want. It's not gonna do much. Um, The thing that I really like here, they both take their best shots. It doesn't really do anything. And Seth's like, ha 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 ha, I'm in charge now. Uh, But then the Destroyer whips him with its tail. And it's then that Osiris is just like, yeah, the Destroyer doesn't really care about deals, bro. Yeah. Like it's got its one purpose, which is to devour Horus, and after that, it, it doesn't really give it. You just let it out. That's all that happened. Yeah. Um, and so Seth's like, okay, okay, I can fix this. I can fix this. And so he releases uh, Horus and tries to restore him to full health, but they're just like, it doesn't work, you dipshit. You are the god of death. You have no control over life. You can't, like, you can't do that. And uh, Seth's like, fuck, what do I do? (laughs) So, uh, they, ultimately, the thing that I really like is, so, in the same way that Boy, Boy, Boy Frost, uh, Bifrost is a bridge through, over a void of stars, uh, so is this. And so Thing grabs Horus and dives off the side, which then makes the destroyer dive off after them. Thor then throws Mjolnir, uh, which Thing grabs hold of. Mjolnir returns to Thor, brings Thor, Thing and Horus back. The destroyer is not destroyed, but it's going to be floating out there for a while. Uh, which will at least give them a chance to recover and get their shit together. Um, uh, we bounce back to New York after all the doings, and uh, oh yeah, we were going to try to save somebody's life. Yeah. Whoops. Yep. And we'll find out how that goes in... Who knows? Yeah. Given the reading order, that could be next week, or it could be... Three months from now. I don't think it's next week. I think next week we've got some supervillain team up. But uh, anyway, that brings us to Defenders number 41. Uh, This issue, so the last time we, uh, we really saw, this issue deals heavily with Trish Starr, uh, who was um, Nighthawk's girlfriend. Uh, but then she was blown up, uh... In a in, car bombing meant for Kyle. Right. And, uh, she, lost an arm. And, uh, at the end of it, you know, she's like, I love you and I want to be with you, but I don't, I don't want you to be with me, uh, because you feel responsible for what happened to me. Yeah. I want you to be with me because you want to be with me. When she and, leaves, it's a very... 
I thought it was a very, uh, it felt more mature of a response and is like, I know you feel responsible for me. I do want to be for, or I do want to be with you. I do, but I don't want you to feel obligated to right. be with me. You right. need to come to that decision on your own. The only way you're going to be able to do that really is if you have to come to me. Right. Like, I need to be removed from the equation for a while. And I and I think he fairly promptly after that realized he did actually want to be with her. It was not just... Yeah. Yeah. So, Doctor Str- we pick up this issue. Doctor Strange and Nighthawk are in Nevada, uh, I think, uh, at this commune. And it turns out that Trish was... It, is was there uh, <clears throat> and had actually uh, completely rearranged the way the commune did business and improved it in pretty much every way. Uh, yeah, but went, then, went from substance farming or subsistence farming to they're actually making money. Yeah, the, these people are thriving and it's all down to her. Yeah, uh, but now because of like, her wonderful tr- uh, project management skills. Now that it comes down to the daily running of the place, she kind of gets bored and starts turning inward. This causes her to, like, experiment some with the occult. Uh, <clears throat> this led to her... Why can't anyone just be depressed? Yeah. I've it's it's always in, in... In 70s comics, it's always like, you can't just have trauma and be depressed. You must turn to the devil. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But, uh... Alright. But, yeah, so she started She started getting increasingly, uh... brusque with people, uh, and stuff like that. And then, uh, eventually, she wound up being... There was, there was like, an... Some an kind incident? Of cosmic incident wherein she is... Enwrapped in this strange energy, yeah. And after that, she's all the way gone. Like yeah. she's functional, but she's constantly checking the time. She's uh, not herself, and she's really irritable. Uh, brusque was a nice way of saying it before. Now she's drop of a hat. She's off. Yeah. Um, and basically just wandered out into the desert. Yep. Which is a death sentence, so everyone's very concerned. Yeah, so uh, Strange and Nighthawk jump in a buggy and drive out. Strange is like, stop, and Kyle's like, what? And he's like, stop, you idiot! Uh, There's a magical barrier. Uh, They sit outside, or Strange conjures up their costumes, the uh, Nighthawk stays outside to guard Strange's body. Strange travels into the barrier, uh, finds uh, Trish, brings her, like, deals with the things that are guarding her, uh, and brings her back to this plane of existence. Um, but then it turns out that uh, what was possessing her was an old Doctor Strange foe from back in the Strange Tales days. 
uh, named Shazana. Who cares? Uh, she is able to get the better of Doctor Strange uh, simply by having one of her minions uh, hold a knife to Trisha's throat so Doctor Strange has to stand down. She seals Nighthawk and Strange and Trish in this cube that it turns out is tied to their energies. It's like built out of their life force. And so if they try to smash their way out, they'll be committing suicide. Yeah. Uh, So Strange is able to use... He uses Trish as a conduit. In doing so, he is able to reach out to the Defenders, who are chilling at home, uh, just hanging out, you know. Uh, But he's able to reach them. They make their way to Nevada. Um, Shazana realizes what Strange has done, pulls Trish out of the cube, and is about to have her executed, because really, she doesn't need her anymore. She's on Earth. She's got what she needs. You're done for. Uh, But the execution is stopped by Hulk, uh, and then the rest of the Defenders. Um, They are all... The cover of this is really misleading, in that the cover shows Hulk about to smash the cube, and Strange and Nighthawk are inside, and they're just like, No, don't do it! If you do, you'll kill us! That's not what happens. Uh, The Defenders fight Shazana and her minions... Strange is then able to break down the cube and restore their energies to them. With Clea's help. With Clea's help, at which point he handily defeats Shazana, banishes her and her underlings, and uh, everything is returned to normal, at which point uh, Doctor Strange goes to do something to Trish to prevent this from happening again and he's like oh oh they're having a moment okay uh it's cool I can I can wait <laughs> I can get this before we leave town it's not the kind of thing he does say he starts to say immediately and then he's like well maybe not immediately immediately yeah maybe yeah. he can wait he can wait 15 20 minutes yeah um uh, yeah not a bad issue uh I'm, I'm I really the part the thing that I liked the most about this issue, really, is that uh, Kyle's not a complete dickwad in it for most of this. He's a little bit to the guy they... Did you say dickwad? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I tripped over the word. Okay. He's not a jerk throughout f- most of this issue, which is pretty good for Kyle. Um, and the thing that I really liked is... Uh, like Shazana, this is not the same Doctor Strange. Yeah, because like, as soon as he's free and like has level footing, like the only way that she got him into the cube in the first place was by surprise and then uh, deceit. Yeah, and so once that the, once those things are no longer an option, you're, it's just like okay, bye, and he just they're gone. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. You might have been kind of a problem for him when he wasn't one with the actual universe. Yeah. Like, 
we kind of dropped it because we haven't read an actual strange a Doctor Strange book in a while. But hasn't he already gone through two or three of those trials that give him like two of them? Yeah, two of them. And the first one was uh, a lot like Marvel with the universal omniscience the the cosmic awareness. the cosmic awareness yeah kind of like that and then the second one was like he no longer fears death therefore anything is possible yeah like, this is not the same doctor strange yeah. power level like wise. the last time they fought he was basically just like um i don't know Oster, i guess yeah and now he's just like waving his hand <laughs> and shit's just blowing up uh I I feel like a lot of Kyle's dickishness for a while now has been maybe because of what happened with Trish. Because when Kyle first started joining the Defenders, I didn't hate him. Like, I I really liked the idea of what they were doing with him. I, I didn't... Um, I liked... I didn't hate him, and it was kind of adorable... When he was like, we're a team! And all four of them were like, no, no we're, we're not. not. No. Like, there's no team. Yeah. There's just, it's a loose collective of individuals who hang out. And he has, he's made them a team. Like, he's yeah, kind of, like, yeah. through sheer, like, fanboyish stubbornness. Optimism, yeah. Uh, he has kind of made them into a team. But, yeah, I think, I think the real turning point for my estimation of the character was the whole Trish thing because since then he's been pretty fucking insufferable. So I'm hoping that yeah, not, her... Va- not Vance Astro level of why are you being this big of a dick, but uh, yes. Yeah. So I'm hoping that maybe if they can if they can get together or at least have some closure then cool. Yeah. So uh, Marvel Spotlight number 27 uh, I got some feelings here. Uh, is written by Bill Mantlo, penciled by Jim Mooney, inked by Jim Mooney, colored by Patrick Goldberg, and lettered by Karen Mantlo. I don't like Namor. Uh, I, I tend to like Namor in the context of, like, the Defenders. But overall, I could take or leave Namor, mostly leave. Yeah. On the flip side of that, I like this issue. I uh, like the potential I see in this issue. Like, because the problem with Namor, as I've read it coming up to now, is like, there's no goal. There's, and if we'd been reading his book, maybe that would be a little less prominent. But he always seems to just, like, be, lack any agency in his own, like, destiny. Yeah. He just sort of happens to things, and or things happen to him, and he's pissy about it. Um, he, He seems really, like, distractible, I guess. And I think I think that's a consequence of us not reading his book there, right. because I think the whole like he's got to save the Atlantean race might have changed our view on that. 
I don't know. That's true. Uh, but what's what's interesting about this is that um, the villain of this issue is uh, is it Riker? Yeah, uh, from Deathlock, and he has this symbionic man um, that he ostensibly this is his first stint into uh, cybernetics and not cybernetics. Uh, Cyborgnetics? Cyborgery? Cyborgery. I'm going with cyborgery. Cyborgerism? Cyborgism. And he... No, cyborg-orism. Yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, Because cyborgism would just be being a cyborg. Right. Cyborgerism is making making cyborgs. Right, yeah. Okay. All right. So So now we've worked out that. So he is... is, Engaging in some cyborgerism. He has a Narcon for Namor. Don't remember why. Don't really care. I don't think... I think uh, he just picks Namor. Like, it doesn't really feel like... Th- because There's a reference to Supervillain Team-Up. Uh, and I was like, have we read that? And then I realized we have. We have Because uh, next week we have Supervillain Team-Up number five. But anyway, he... Whatever the reason, he's just like, fuck Namor. I'm going to so, steal his life force and put it in my cyborg. So he releases the symbionic man. And the symbionic man, as soon as it touches the water, starts absorbing energy from everything around it. Uh, so and much so, so that it actually changes its features. Right. And so it starts then swimming after Namor. And uh, Namor is hanging out, <laughs> hanging out in a... Uh, in a graveyard. ship ga- graveyard. Yeah. And the the thing that kind of annoys me here is like he he kind of has a one-sided straw man thing going on because he's just like they just drop their ships wherever and it's like they didn't discard them there Namor. They sunk. And nobody every, meant for that to happen. And everyone on them died. Yeah. Like this is it, like the, the like the big wooden ships. I don't. I, I think that's just adding a different type of ecology, right? The one you can be pissed off about is the more modern one in the background. That's probably leaching various kinds of toxins. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but like the galleons that he's like chilling by. No, fuck you, man. <laughs> But, so, he is attacked by the symbionic man. And what I, what I really like about this is that, number one, when the symbionic man attaches itself to Namor, it is, not only is he, like, being held by it, but also, like, once it attaches... There's the urge to want to give in. Right. And so Namor, there were a couple of times where it latches onto him and he's just kind of like, okay, yeah. yeah it would be so much easier if I just... Let's do this. Yeah. I'll I'll be part of you, whatever. Um, and he manages to break himself out of it. He throws the... Uh, he. Swings the symbionic man around and throws him. Uh, the symbionic man crashes into one of the ships where he encounters an octopus, which he then takes over and causes to attack Namor. Uh, 
The the thing about it is, the other thing that I like about the symbionic man is the fact that uh, once he's absorbed part of Namor, part of Namor is now in it. And so he's Namor is looking at the symbionic man and seeing himself staring back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once the symbionic man grabs hold of him again, then you've got the added bit of... Uh, you know, that part of himself is calling out to him, saying, let's be whole again. Let's, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that's what I really, that's, those are the things that I really like about this issue. Uh, ultimately, uh, the, he fights off the symbionic man. He deals with the octopus, all of that good shit. He takes the octopus Swings it around and throws it. And it just so happens that uh, Riker is there. It slams into his ship. It His ship crashes into the water. Way to go, Namor. Just dropping that ship fucking anywhere. Uh, at which point... Also, you're creating a temporal disaster. Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, that's secondary. Uh, more to the point, Namor's a hypocrite. But... Riker dies, at which point the symbionic man is just like, I don't want this. I, you know, I I was was... only doing this because I was directed. Now that the one that was pulling my strings is gone, I want to release all the energy that I have of yours that I took. Somehow there's a transference from the symbionic man back to Namor, so he gets all of his life force back. Right. Um, And is like... Huh. Okay. Good. Yeah. And he's basically like, alright. I think he sort of takes this as a teaching moment. Like, he does sort of realize that... Okay, he wants to be selfish in a good way now. Which is difficult to fathom for Namor, but he wants... He really does want to be king again of his people yeah and uh it kind of feels like he's at the end of this issue it kind of feels like that's what he's setting off to do well i i certainly took it as more of a instead of sitting around sulking and letting shit happen to me i'm gonna take a more active role yeah in my own life right uh but yeah not a not a bad issue. It has not it has not changed my mind on Namor. But I mean that would take a while. Fair play to the creators here uh for at least getting getting over my innate dislike of Namor enough that I was able to just enjoy the issue. So, well done. Yeah. Uh, so we are coming up on an hour. Let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll bust out these, uh, these issues of jungle action. Oh, yeah. Anyway. All right. Jungle action. Jungle action. Uh, number, uh, 19. Here we go. Is written by Don McGregor. Don McGregor. Uh, 
penciled by Billy Graham, inked by Bob McLeod, colored by Petra Goldberg, and lettered by Denise Wall. Uh, we switch suddenly from <laughs> Wakanda at the end of, in last issue to Georgia in this issue. And um, the cover... The cover is very misleading, <laughs> like, because it says that the Black Panther goes up against the clan, And, I mean, he does, but he also, there's another thing, too? Yeah. So, like, at the beginning of this, what it basically amounts to is Monica Lynn is in a graveyard visiting the grave of her sister, who ostensibly committed suicide. Uh, while they are there, uh, these random dudes in robes, not white robes. No, they are. We'll get to that. Yeah, they are purple and blue. Just kind of keep that in the back of your head. Start sneaking up on her. T'Challa, having heard them because Black Panther, uh, circles around and then proceeds to wreck their ship. Um, also, they, he notices that there's a car approaching who is not doing a very good job of being stealthy. Right. Um, uh, Monica has a flashback about her sister, and it's very touching. Apparently, they were people and didn't get along super great when they were young. Yeah. That's, uh, that's kind of like the story of all brothers and sisters and everything. Like, you were just... They were siblings. Yeah. Uh, but so the car is pulling up, Black Panther starts smashing dudes up, throws one of them through the windshield of this car, at which point the dude jumps out. It's some random white guy. Uh, His name is Kevin Trueblood. He punches a cultist, but in the process, like, busts up his hand because punching, uh, people is not like it is in movies. Um... So, yeah, they they wrap all these assholes up. I There's... love that when he's like, I think I broke my hand, and Panther, or T'Challa walks up, and he's like, yeah, don't use a closed fist, you idiot. Like, he just, if you're going to punch somebody, you know, do it right. And it's great. Yeah. Um, but so, while in the process, it turns out Kevin Trueblood is a reporter. And he believes... That Monica's sister Angela was not uh, a suicide, that she was murdered. Uh, Angela worked for a real estate office. Kevin has been tracking this whole thing uh, wherein the clan is doing some shit with... uh, With real estate deals. Yeah, something they've been doing something shady with buying up large tracts of... Tracts of land. Huge tracts of land. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, Panthers, uh, he, one of the guys that he dealt with, he managed to fling into a tree. So Pan- uh, T'Challa's up in this tree and he's like, uh, I mean, I don't know that the, the, the clan have opened their membership this wide. And he removes, we saw in the opening pages, but they didn't, but... We saw that one of the dudes in the member, or one of the members of this group that had tried to attack, uh, Monica. Monica. I don't know why I just blanked. Uh, Monica was black. And it's like, I don't think they opened the membership drive that wide. 
Yeah. And, okay, so it's not the clan. They pile everybody into the back of Kevin's car and are like, so who are you working for? And nobody will talk. Okay, great. So they they take them uh, to the sheriff. And the sheriff is just like, I got, I got no time for this bullshit. Yeah. Uh-huh. You kind of expect a heel turn out of this sheriff. I really wasn't sure throughout all four ep- issues that we read, like whether or not he was going to turn out to be connected to either group. And and he still might. He's still, like, uh, yeah, you're right. He might. But so far, he's so far he seems on the level. Yeah. Generally speaking, he seems like a dude that's just like. You know, because at one point there's a there's a clan rally and T'Challa and Kevin are going to go there and he's just like, look, they aren't breaking the law as it stands. If you start shit, I got to arrest you. Yeah. Like, you know, he seems like he's largely on the level. Uh, In fact, if you were to write a story, the, the twist of this story would be. That he's actually on the level, right? Yeah. Because most, the trope of any of these is that the sheriff, the small town, well, it's not I, not really clear to me where we are, because it's not Atlanta, but it's somewhere around there. Uh, well, I mean, here, here's the thing. Atlanta is, you go 10 or 20 miles in any direction, and it's small town. Okay. Uh, it's, you know... Atlanta has its suburbs, and then after that, it just goes straight into small town. Okay. Um, so, but in any any of the stories where it's like small town sheriff uh, up against the clan, uh, and eventually it's revealed that he's actually part of it too, and it would the the twist in this would be that he's not. Right. Um, anyway, so he. He's like, put them all in jail for tonight. Let them. Let, we'll find out if anybody wants to talk, is a little more talkative later. Yeah. Um, and so T'Challa and Monica head back to her parents' place. Uh, her dad is pretty checked out. He's like way more concerned about his uh, his solitaire game than anything else. And this proves to be a problem. For me later, but we'll get to that. Uh, the mother is just like she's showering them in food, and yeah. uh, and T'Challa is just all about this shit. He is scarfing that shit down. Yeah, and at one um, point, her her mom is like, "Well, I know you're a king, and uh, we're pro- you're we're not used to having uh, that kind of finery around here." And he's like, "Are you fucking kidding? This is amazing." Yeah. I love this. Uh, you're a really good cook. I, I want to hire you. Um, but he, he showers them and is very gracious. T'Challa's weird. When he's present in this story, he is very, very Black Panther. Very gracious and uh, courteous with her parents. And, like, he's, he's very... He's, fucking black panther like he's great yeah uh, i mean this is this is the kind of i mean if you if you saw the movies and you saw you know t'challa's interactions with the other people 
this is the kind of thing. This is basically the T'Challa you know. It's, yeah, it really is. He's he's not some imperial. He can be he can be the king when he needs to be the king. He can be like, I'm the king of fucking Wakanda. You do not fuck with me. But, but when he's with personal moments, he's really warm and really courteous. Just like in in the Black Panther movie, like anytime he's hanging out with Shuri, like it's that guy. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and you know his in, and his interactions, generally speaking, with even like you know Cap and the other Marvel heroes in the movies, again, same thing. Uh, but then, like the the house is surrounded uh, by two groups on, that forgot to schedule. Yeah, you really. I mean, look, I understand if you are not the clan. Uh, you don't really want to associate with people, but maybe make sure if you are about to attack the home of a black family in an area where there is the clan, just be like, hey, like reach out your listen, make sure nobody's also attacking that night. Hey, Dwight. Hey, uh, listen, sorry to interrupt whatever, whatever you're doing. Uh, we were going to attack this black family. You didn't have any designs on that, did you? Like, and then let them be like, yeah, no, you're good, man. Yeah. Or, oh, oh this, no. is, this is awkward. This we is... actually, we were going to burn a cross in their yard tonight. Oh, you, oh. Oh, no. Uh, so, yeah, so T'Challa realizes this because, again, Black Panther. Somebody lights, died... a mal- <laughs> somebody lights a Molotov cocktail and throws it at the house. T'Challa, Black Panthers, grabs the cock Molotov out of the air, busts through a window, grabs the Molotov out of the air, and hurls it back at the attacker. Yeah, which, fucking A. Like, I mean... That alone is is, rad. Honestly, like, in the movie, I could have done with less uh, magic suit that sends out a purple wave. Yeah. And more of stuff like this. Like, just... Black Panther being in being the the peak badass. Uh, so it smashes to the ground. The the clansmen are just like, oh shit! And like one's riding a horse and one's riding a motorcycle. And it's like, look, guys, pick one. Like you got to be thematically appropriate. Yeah. Either you're doing this old school, yeah, or you're doing the clan biker gang thing. You can't be piecemealing that shit. But so he starts fighting these starts fighting these clan members, and uh, you know it's it's cool. Like I like watching uh, Black Panther smash dudes in white robes. But uh, oh hell yes. Um, see, but while all this is happening. The and we find out that this other group is called uh, the Dragon Circle. Yeah, and they are like, they're basically oh shit, it's the clan. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's because this is a this is a really great interaction because one of the Dragon Circle dipshits is just like, who are you people? And another guy in the Dragon Circle is just like, who the fuck do you think they are, you idiot? <laughs> like it's the clan. It's the, the do you see our whole motif? We stole it from them. 
Yeah, and and at one point, I don't remember if it was earlier in the sheriff's office or not, these guys had, like, clan paraphernalia. Yeah. Uh, the Dragon Circle did. Like, they had, like, patches from the clan and shit like that, but whatever. Anyway, um... So, so they piss off, and T'Challa... Like, the Dragon Circle are largely, largely a non-entity here. Uh, everybody... Everybody gets their shit wrecked in the confusion, and runs off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And at the end of this, we we see exactly how checked out Dad is. Because he's just like, found my red jack! And it's just like, that's great. We were literally just attacked by the clan. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, the next issue uh, is number uh, 20, which is colored by Janice Cohen. Uh, so, this is so fucking this, weird. This issue has a few problems. Uh, number one, so Don McGregor's f- florid po- prose. Yeah. Uh, is, that, is that flowery prose? Yeah. Uh, works in the context of like shit happening. But largely, this issue is like. Monica and Black Panther are at the grocery store. There's an understanding, and Black Panther's head gets split open with a tin of cat food thrown by a cat lady, and like the police come, and it's a whole. Th- Monica is attacked by some dudes from are, the Dragon Circle who are telling her the clan is going to kill you if you don't stay out of this shit, uh, and stuff like that. So there's a the whole dragon circle thing is ostensibly like a red herring trying to draw attention to the clan, but the clan is also up to shit. So it's like what purpose yeah, why are does we... the dragon circle serve? You could have it could have been easy it would have been easier if it was just the clan, like from a storytelling perspective. Right. right. You didn't have to needlessly complicate it this way. Right. But okay, wait, before we get all the way there. They're in the grocery store, and Panther is like, why is everyone looking at me so weird? And he's he, he's in full costume. Cowl, this is a serious and... question that T'Challa asks. He's like, why is everyone staring at me? And it's like, I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that you're dressed like a kitty cat. Like <laughs> Maybe it's the fact that you're in your full fucking armored costume, and you're le- legit lurking. Yeah. Like, like there's he, a frame here where he's just like got a weird hunch on. He looks like Igor. Yeah. In like any any Frankenstein movie. Just like Master. <laughs> like, yeah. So this lady with the cat food drops a bunch of cans and he like goes to like help. Cat, you know, help her out. But this is misconstrued. Uh meanwhile the punks attack Monica. Black Panther gets... She flips one of them. Black Panther gets involved and deals with the other two. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Cops show up. um, The cops are like, down on the ground, random dude in a costume. Uh, But then the sheriff shows up and he's just like, no, no, I know these guys. They're they're fine. Um, Also, you have TV. Yeah. Like, you know it's Black Panther. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know. 
but so at the end of it, you know, he's just like, so uh, try not to. What are you doing? Just and I like Monica because she's just like, I am over this shit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the scene then switches, and they are at this old house that she and Angela uh, used to like daydream about. She used to daydream about this house when she and her sister were there. Uh, and who knows how Angela felt about it, but whatever. Um, she is, she talks about how she's more broken up remembering things here than she was standing at, uh, Angela's grave. Um, oh, one of the thugs in the thugs, I don't like that thugs, uh, one of the the goon, the punks, the punks in the uh, uh, in the grocery store, had told Monica about this clan meeting that was happening at in the swamp somewhere. Um, yep. And so, after their touching moment at the house, where uh, yeah. they are affirming their care, how much they care about each other, uh, Tushala then jumps through the forest and uh, gets to where they're lighting crosses in the swamp. Right. Uh, he proceeds to pretty carelessly, especially for uh, for Panther, to just jump right in the middle of it and start punching dudes. Yeah. Uh, which goes poorly for him. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the... Kevin, Kevin is, is at having the house. a mo- Kevin is having a, a moment of misguided whiteness. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes on this this spiel about what America should be and what America actually is. And like, and there's there's a lot of this. I will say. There's a lot of this that resonates for me in terms of, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I was told America is the land of opportunity. American dream, baby. Anyone can be anything they want. Yeah. Uh, I got to be a teenager and I rejected that, not because I knew it was wrong, but because you're a teenager. You reject everything regardless of whether or not it's true or not it's just you're a teenager you're an asshole yeah uh in my 20s i grew to realize that you know yeah like a lot of that is a lot of that is bullshit i i am at the point now where i'm like america can be that (coughs) yeah america should be that yes uh but like but there are it takes work and it you can't simply just say, America's that. No. We've established that. That is what we're now going to be. Part of it, you've got to deal with the shit you've gotten up to previously. Yeah. You've got to deal with your colonial history. You've got to deal with the specter of slavery and not just say, everybody's equal now. Yeah. Um, no, you actually have to confront that head on. And, and make it, you know, like people talk about reparations like it's, you know, boo. Uh, but honestly, like the fact of the matter is, yeah, like at the, when it was all said and done, basically what white people said was, 
Okay. The the Jeez. the playing field is level now, and it's just like, well, no, because yeah. you know, like black people worked for hundreds of years and built a lot of wealth that they did not get. Like, you don't just get to say, okay, well, go out and make the best of it now. Like, no, there is there is a lot of generational wealth that was built by black people that they did not get. Anyway, that's a whole... But, yeah, there's a lot of his spiel about the state of America that I agree with. However... However, it's a white dude doing all of this pontification about how his illusions of what America could be versus how he's experiencing it while he's standing in the living room of a black family. And that just is a real bad look. Yeah. And he doesn't understand how... And The part that drives that home, though, for me, is that Monica is just like, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. The whole time. And it's like, she's almost, like, bored with him. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we know. We, we know. We knew. What are you? Oh, no. Oh, you're never going to leave. <laughs> like... <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and the worst part about this is you and I were discussing before... Uh, the thing that really, that really bothers me about this is the same thing that bothers me about Garth Ennis in that it, it comes across like, and now the writer would like to have a word with you, the reader, because this is not for the benefit of anyone of the characters. Yes. No. You know, maybe Kevin feels good about himself just being like, America is broken. And it's just like. But, you know, the family the family knows all the their daughter was just maybe murdered by the clan. They know. Yeah. And even before that, like, they're black. They've they've grown up in this shit. Like they don't need you to tell them how it is. But yeah. anyway. So T'Challa gets busted in the mush with a rifle and uh, knocked out and then strung up on a cross and set on fire. End of issue. <laughs> it's so heavy-handed and weird and still sort of blind. Like, I I will say I like that the beginning of the next issue basically says he's not Christ. We are not trying to, yeah. you know, this, this, yeah. is, this is just a bad situation and stuff like that. Right. Um... So, Jungle Action number 21 is colored by Phil Rachelson and lettered by Harry Blumfeld. Uh, so, the issue starts, the fire is spreading. I am amazed. Even, even they, they kind of get into how T'Challa heals so quickly. But, I'm amazed with how largely unaffected he is given how much has been consumed mm -hmm. at this point. Um, but he manages to... I don't know if they didn't bind his feet I or if the ropes The fire... It burned. says something about the hemp rope oh, okay. turns to ash around his ankles, which means oh, okay. that's still a lot of fire. 
around your body. There's and, some. There's some of. I like McGregor's uh, prose sometimes, but other times I kind of skim. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So well, that's what I was thinking. That's on me. <laughs> well, I. I, I fairly I got through this week's reading fairly quickly until we started Jungle Action, at which point it was like thud because <laughs> breaching. There's yeah. there's wild blocks of texts in in this occasionally. Yeah. So he manages to free his feet, which means he can break the. It's not the crossbeam; it's the he the can, standing beam yeah. of of the. Of the cross he's tied to, he but he's still attached to the arms, and it's uh, still burning, and it's still on fire, and he uses it as a battering ram to get himself away from them. Yeah, um, he gets out into the swamp and uh, gets the fire put out, but he is fucked up. Yeah, um, and it's very like. There's there's a lot of language here that's basically like, and you know he could just die, <laughs> like he kind of thinks about it for a yeah. second. Yeah. And uh, Kevin and Monica. Monica. I wanted to say Patricia. That was wrong. Kevin and Monica are. They decided that T'Challa had been gone too long, and they. Uh, got in the car and started coming out toward the swamp uh, they there's a good kind of fake out here where T'Challa crawls himself out of the swamp and onto a road there are car lights coming and T'Challa is sort of inching toward it when it the car almost hits him and drives by and we learn it's not Monica and Kevin right uh, yeah that was that was done very effectively they uh, they stop by a phone booth, and Monica calls home. At which point, her mother tells her that T'Challa has been taken to a hospital. She goes and meets him, and uh, like I said, you don't you don't see T'Challa without his costume. So he may be pretty badly burned. I don't know, but it's. Like I said, we're not we're not shown how much damage this actually did, and I'm not saying it has to be like the Killmonger storyline, where we see like every fucking cut, every fucking like yeah, that's fine. But I I don't want to see T'Challa burn. I'm just saying like we don't have any we don't have any visual indication that he's actually injured. All we have is the prose that says. Yeah, he's hurt bad. Um, and but then, then he's he's in the bed and he's just bandaged with like the bandage around his head, like, and it's just like, uh, all right. <laughs> the the uh, no crap. What's his name? R- Roderick Tate, the sheriff, says they're all gathered in his hospital room, and uh, meaning Monica and her parents and Kevin and the sheriff. And the sheriff's like, man, you heal well for only being in this bed for a couple of weeks. And it's like, okay, so we did jump time. Yeah. But, and a cup being hurt for a couple of weeks to T'Challa is like, you damn near killed him. Yeah. Um, No, yeah. I, it's just, like I said, there's, you know, 
We don't get any visual I'm, indication. I'm of. used to, at the very least, when somebody's burned in a superhero comic, they may show, uh, like, the costume burning away and then some blistering, at mm. least. And there is none of that here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they start talking about the situation, uh, you know... Roderick basically explains that, you know, the last person who saw Angela alive was this guy she's been seeing, Leroy, uh, who was with her the night she died, uh, said there was no indication that she was in any way upset. I will say I do like the page where all of this is explained because it's, uh, it's laid out as a double page spread and there's sort of... There's the block down below where everything is outlined, but then just like on top of that, just for a bit of visual like flourish, zhuzh, yeah, uh, is a shot of Black Panther just like crawling across the top. Yeah. Um, but they explain that Leroy left Angela about two o'clock. Angela then went to her office. Uh, there was an open drawer in her desk. They think that's where the gun came from. She died. The, uh, the mysterious call came in, uh, about three something. They get there. There's a smashed clock that shows the time of death, which is fucking handy. Uh, you know, stuff like that. So... He also tells him about how the clan is going to have a a, a permitted rally uh, right. that that evening or soon, and that it everybody's like, "Well, this would be a great time for us to start pushing for answers." And, yeah, uh, like you said before, the sheriff is like, "Okay, they've got a permit." Which means they're doing this legally, whether we, whether anyone in this room likes it or not, like what what they're doing, they've got a permit. Uh, which means that if you go there and start shit, I have to arrest you, okay? And everyone's like, okay, uh, and then they go anyway. And we get a guy spewing some bullshit because it's the clan, and uh, I do. Which they're, they're I'm sorry. USJWs need to keep your politics out of my 70s comics. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought about that a lot <laughs> while I was reading this week. Being like, no politics in comics, eh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm, historically, no, no, no politics in comics. Uh, he, they show up and discuss about how uh, the, our, our group of protagonists discuss about how like why this tactic works even though the the things that are being said are clearly lies um and that's kind of interesting to get that little bit of breakdown there yeah Uh, okay then we get to um kevin decides to be white savior and wander in to a clan rally and start accusing people of lying, uh, which okay, that's that's an idea, man. <laughs> um, and 
it seems to be surprised when everyone's like, well, you know, you have to leave. Uh, and also, we're going to kick your ass now. So, they, yeah. the clan members... Somebody pulls a gun. T'Challa takes down the man with the gun. Shit goes wrong. Um, he's about to get shot. Or T'Challa's on a crane. <coughs> on top, like on the cab of the crane. About to get shot by another guy when... I believe his name was Lloyd, uh, Mr. Lin, uh, Monica's dad, throws the cards in front of the shooter, and the shot goes wild, or goes astray, when, so he pulls the gun back on Mr. Lin, the shooter pulls the gun back on Mr. Lin, and uh, T'Challa kicks him in the back, um, I guess, and there's like an, there's a weird piece, I guess, we're done and everybody goes home. Yeah, the ending of this now. is a little weird. For now, yeah. Um, this is by no means over. Even though we have another issue this week, and it doesn't get resolved in that. Yeah. Um, the thing that bothers me, this is you know, you were talking about the white savior thing before. This is the part that really bothers me. Is that this is this is I mean like. I could be wrong. You know, I realize that, um, you know, it's one of those things of most of the time when people talk about a white savior, it's usually a person of color commenting on a story like this. I'm just saying, from where I'm sitting, it seems like you have a black family whose daughter may or may not have been killed by the Klan, who is content to just let it go lest they be targeted, at which point a white reporter comes in, starts speechifying, and then the dad is just like, God damn it, you're right. I I was going to just sit back and let myself continue to be oppressed, but you, white man, you have made me see the error of my ways. And I, like, I get that I'm a white dude commenting on this, but still, it makes me feel gross. Not as gross as the next issue does, but kind of gross. This makes me feel racially gross. The next issue just makes me feel squicked out. Um, yeah, Monica, I thought I knew you. Jungle action number 22. Sorry, I accidentally hit the uh, table there. Uh... Jungle Action number 22 is penciled by Billy Graham and Rich Buckler, inked by Bob McCloud and Jim Mooney, colored by Hugh Paley, and lettered by Irving Watanabe. This issue is, you know, T'Challa and uh, Monica and everybody are hanging out. Kevin is still there Kevin for is, reasons. Kevin is just... Kevin has fully invested himself in this family that is not his. Uh, <laughs> he does mention during one of the speeches that he does that he does have a family. Yeah. And is knows that they're being targeted and he's not with them. The, the thing that I love, or love, the thing that happens that is funny is, uh, so they all show up in this, one of the Wakandan gliders and 
Kevin, Monica, and T'Challa. T'Challa gets down and starts making nice with uh, Monica's mom because he's a he's cool. He's class. a cool. Yeah, he's class he, all the way. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Um, then Monica, Monica and Kevin approach, uh, and Black Panther's like, "Hey, my lady." Right, like he he and Monica get like very like, hey, we met like that kind of thing, and it's really cute. And but the whole time, Kevin is still doing this like philosophical treaty on uh, Tristus on uh, what freedom means. And at one point, he turns to T'Challa and he's like, "Don't you think so, T'Challa?" And T'Challa's like, "I was." not listening and I, it's that is <laughs> i don't know if that that is intentional as commentary but i like it as commentary oh this, you were going off again i was not paying attention kevin is third wheeling it up <laughs> yes and uh i it always it just makes me think of cyborg from teen titans go and he's like third wheel baby <laughs> like yeah uh but uh so this then, this whole thing, they're chilling, they're having some pie, and mom, mom launches into a story that she doesn't want to tell. Because Monica is like, I just remember, like, they're eating and they're having a good time, and Monica's like, I remember this, we'd do this, and mom would tell stories. Hey mom, tell that one story about great uncle, uh, Caleb. Caleb. And she's like... Mom immediately just stares in the middle distance and is like, yep, She gets real quiet. <laughs> that, that's a story, all right. She's like, go ahead and tell it again. I just remember crying and crying and crying. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a... That sounds like a downer. <laughs> I mean... Everybody's having fun and Monica's just like, Hey, tell that story about our dead relative who was killed by the clan. <laughs> and the thing about... So the thing about this is... This is much like that episode of Marvel 2-in-1 in that it's two concurrent things. On the one hand, you have Monica's mom telling, telling this story about her relative who had been like freed during the freed prior to the Civil War or whatever. Yeah. And then like uh or freed because of the Civil War. Well, he, technically technically he was quote-unquote, freed with the Emancipation Proclamation, but he was uh, really freed because of the Civil War. He, he has a little homestead. He is set upon by the, the first incarnation of the clan. Uh, then we have Monica's version of things, where she's doing a weird fan fiction of... It's like a... It's a what if, but if... But if T'Challa had been there, this horrible thing would have been better. And it's like, well, yeah, but he wasn't. And and it's the whole thing is, uh, maybe I'm just a pervert. Like maybe, but the feeling I get reading this is Monica is way into the idea of T'Challa having been there and saved this dude, and almost like getting off on it and it's just like Monica a man died <laughs> yeah. a man died and you are over here ginning yourself off over the idea that your boyfriend could have stopped it 
if he'd been there 110 years ago. Like, what the fuck is the matter with you, lady? (laughs) And so the whole thing is just like, on the one hand, you've got Monica's mom just being like, and then the, uh, and then the, The the clan, like, hung him and lynched him. And on the other hand, you've got Monica just like, Caleb and T'Challa buddy copping it up, uh, fighting the clan. <laughs> and it's just like, what the fuck is the matter with you, lady? Because seriously, like Monica's mom, on the next to last page, it's legit like Monica's mom is talking about the body hanging there and Caleb's widow weeping at the foot of his corpse and then the next page is just like T'Challa like spin kicking the 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 uh clansman who is inexplicably a skeleton yes. off of his horse and all this shit and I'm just like woman what the fuck is the matter with you and then like uh they go inside and you know Monica is just sporting like the wide on. Like, yeah. she is raring to go here over the idea of T'Challa in her fantasy saving a member of her family. Which, is, and the thing that sort of cements it as like, Monica, y'all right? Is because she her mom gets done telling this horrific story and T'Challa was paying attention to her mom the whole time and listening to the horrific story and learning something. Because we have to remember, he's not from here, right? Right. Like, all of this history, he may be aware of it, but, like, this kind of intense closeness is not something he's going to be familiar with. So he would have been wrapped in, like, how horrifying and, like, the way that it affected their family and all of this. Like, he's learning shit now. And he says to her... He says to Monica on the, Sorry. On the way in to the house, he's like, you, you know, you're right. You're, you're, your mom's right. You did look a little distant while she was telling that story. Are you okay? Asking because it's a horrific story. And she's like... Oh no, I was thinking about something else. I was, I was, I remembered the story and then I just made it not shitty. And you were there and it was great. And he's like, okay. Yep. I, uh, it is, it is really interesting to, because Black Panther is, I don't know, it's really interesting to think about, like, Black Panther is familiar, you know, Wakanda dodged a bullet in terms of colonialism. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like even, even the, the situation for a black man in Africa, he has no personal connection to. Right, exactly. Um... So all of this is because pure, even like, if even if you were from 
anywhere else in Africa, there would be the specter of colonialism, right? And there probably would have been lynchings. It may not have been the clan specifically. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, yeah, like... He doesn't have a personal... Real... He does not have a... This kind of personal connection to any of this. And that's an interesting thought, which is why... I don't know. After I've read this, these four issues, it didn't really feel like it was T'Challa's story. Oh, God, no. No. Which, I think there is an interesting, like, Black Panther meets the clan and proceeds to kick the shit out of them. That's cathartic as fuck, and I want to see that. Yeah. Uh, but, like, him finding out firsthand... And through stories like these, like what this actually represents, both in America and in the rest of the colonized world, that would be, I would have rather read that. I don't, you know. Maybe I'm being, maybe I'm being a bit much. It occurs to me that I may have this wrong, because... I'm kind of thinking about the MCU version of Wakanda, but the Marvel Universe version of Wakanda is... I mean, really, either way, they probably had run-ins with colonial powers. Yeah. They did not have the same run-ins that they would have if they were just like, we're Wakanda, we have... Futuristic technology and a mound of miracle metal. Yeah. Uh, You know, but it's... In thinking about it, it's like... On the one hand, you've got the comic version where all of this Wakandan technology is kind of underground. Where, you know... As far as anyone knows, Wakanda is just there. Um, so, and even in the MCU, where they keep their city hidden, there's still, like, Wakanda, as people know it, so they probably had run-ins with those colonial powers, and they may, that's not to say Wakandan people might not have suffered. That's true. But... They had a fallback that a lot of other people would not have had. Yeah. They could have retreated to their magic holo- their magic hologram city or uh, or underground in the comics or what have you. Whereas the other countries simply would not have had that. But either either way, I think I think it's inter- it would be interesting to explore and maybe someone has. I don't know. But to explore the difference between what T'Challa has experienced and what even an average African man uh, or even even an average African king maybe would have experienced not having had the... uh, the technology that yeah. Wakanda had at its disposal. Huh. So, I don't know. 
That's a that's a whole. There's a whole. I lot don't there. know if I'm in any way. Yeah, we. I, I feel like we may have already, but we are definitely approaching some of the yo white man. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, because I'm I'm usually. I try to be very sensitive about that, and I'm not. Some I'm not as success. I don't think I'm as as successful as often as I would like to be. I think I think the major thing is with with stuff like this. I think it's interesting to pose the question, and I think posing the question, yeah, you're is right. Where we need to leave it. You're right. I, I went we a little too. To explore I, it. I went a little. That's where I feel squicky about what I was talking about earlier. Is I went a little too far in answering the question. Yeah, that I was I talking about. I do feel a little... Uh, I do feel maybe I went a little too far earlier. Oh, well. I mean, if... Li- no harm intended. If, if you are a person of color listening to this, I... And we got it completely wrong, please call me. Well, and I, w- I would love to... Love to... Uh, I would love to talk to someone and explore the concept in a way that's not just two white dudes sitting in a room like I that's an that's an interesting idea and I think it would be interesting to explore I just don't think we're the people to explore it so if you are someone who could yeah uh, let us know because I think that would be an interesting conversation to have uh watchers guide at gmail.com uh all right hit us up or there's a there's a uh, form on the website where you can submit oh, things as well. Didn't know uh, that. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's top five. Top five. Okay. I will say. Yeah. The thing that it. So I looked it up because I'm like. Son of Satan, Son of Sam. They didn't, did they? But I looked it up. Son of Satan uh, was 19... came out in 74. Son of Sam, those murders occurred in uh, 1976. Oh, okay. So it predates it by a couple of years. Which makes me wonder, though, like... Berkowitz claimed that his dog was like talking possessed to him. and talking to him, right? Right. Like, did he read a comic book? Are comic books making people serial killers tonight at eleven? Yes. Uh, anyway, I think they were actually afraid of that in the eighties. Of course. Yeah. Well, everything. Everything was Satanism in the eighties, though. Yeah. Um, all right. Top five. Top five. Uh, number five. This guy really handles his shit in the realm of death. Yeah. I mean, he freaked out a little, but I thought it was hilarious that he was just like, okay, well, who are you? Who are you? And where are we? And he's like, uh, I'm Damien Helsingstone of Satan. This is a man calling himself. Uh, Mindstar. Mindstar, and uh, we are currently in a, in Anubis's land of the dead. Okay, okay, 
Okay, I'm gonna file that back. Look, some buildings. Okay. It's kind of like, and I know Louis C.K. is canceled, but... No, I know. I know there's no set... I know that... That's a whole other I thing. Have, I have... I used to like Louis C.K. Yeah. And there was an there was a joke he did about his daughter uh, learning about like the fa- the whole like um, what is it? You're gonna die. Yeah. Everyone you know is gonna die. They're gonna be dead for way longer than you're alive. And then the sun will explode. <laughs> and her, to her credit, she's just like, oh, dude. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go play with my dolls now. Look, <laughs> that's kind of how he. That's kind of this. that's kind of the it's way. Just kind of like, huh? Uh, uh, all right, all right. Um, well, uh, did anybody notice the big palace behind you? Yeah. No. Okay. Um, number. Glad I could be here. <laughs> number four is. Actually, the last fight between Damon and Ninestar, because it was possibly the most kinetic one-on-one fight we got this week. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was cool that Damon had... He didn't immediately have the upper hand because of now that the speed advantage had been taken away from Mindstar, but he still... Like, there was still struggle there, um, and it was, I don't know, cool. It was a good fight. Yeah. Uh, number three, Johnny does a cool thing all on his own, um, by figuring out that he can use his powers to, cause that's a read move, right? Like in the pre, any previous incarnation that would immediately have been a Johnny, Johnny, do this, use your powers to do this. And instead Johnny was like, well, hold on. Like, what would the old man say? Okay. I don't really know how to explain it, but I'm going to try a thing. And that was pretty cool um and it worked that was a plus uh i love that i love that you described reed there as the old man when he's not significantly (laughs) older older than johnny than anybody else i mean johnny's slightly younger than them but they're like 20 at the start they're like 20s and johnny's like 16 yeah but anyway um number two is T'Challa catching the Black Panther catching the Molotov and throwing it back just because that was the most Black Panther thing we got to see out of all the stuff we read this week was just him being noticing the 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 projectile coming in moving to intercept catching it and then returning it and I like it isn't really shown this way in the book but it like just Thinking about that as all one fluid movement. In the time that a Molotov... Between the point at which a Molotov left a guy's hand and it got even close to the house. Close enough that he could register it. Like, the fact that it was like, and boom, and he just moves. Like, that's cool as hell. Yeah. Um, That's one of those things that you've got... when When you're learning how to read comics... You do sometimes have to learn how to take mm-hmm. these panels worth of information because a lot of times 
there will be a single panel where several seconds are passing, mm-hmm. and then there will be several panels where like a split second is passing, and so you've got to learn how to parse those things. Mm-hmm. And if you're not used to it, that takes a little bit of time. But when you when you get the hang of doing that, then it can take these spread out moments, and you can you are able to then construct it in your mind in such a way. That it becomes, it's like uh, when video games will have a slow motion mechanic. Uh, I think my friend Pedro does this, where you get to see, where you play in slow motion, but then after after the actions are carried out, then it shows you how it all looked in real time. In real time. And I think you can do that with the the VR version of Superhot as well. Which... Yeah, once you speed it up and you realize what it is you were actually doing, it's, it's you're like, holy shit, that's rad. Yeah, and so I think that's much the same thing where you get where you get like kind of a slow motion, like these are the m- steps that it takes, and then you can just be like, and so and that was fucking cool. Yeah. So anyway, um, and then number one for this week is the. The I get it moment that I had with uh, the thing where those last three pages of that one before when they're taking Black Sun to the hospital and he just shows up or, you know, starting with Johnny being like, don't worry, he's the best. Like, he's the one you want doing this job and him hearing that, like I already went all through this during the episode, but like. It was one of those, okay, alright, I, I get it. I, I understand why people love this character. Yeah. In these three pages. Like, it, this is what they're thinking about when they think about the thing. And that's, okay, I get it. Like, that's cool. Yeah. And, you know, I had that last week with Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had that with Thor. It, I really love those moments. I've had that with Thor like where, three or four times. <laughs> where you're just kind of like, okay, I was never on board, but now I I, I see it. Like, I, I'm still not like 100%. 100% like I am with Thor. Fine. Thor went from, oh God, Thor, to, oh, thank God, Thor. Like, yeah. at least Thor this week. And then... That's kind of trailed off lately, but, um, yeah. Anyway. And what I, what I will say, I didn't really bring this up in the episode. I think it's kind of funny to imagine that part of things from the point of view of, like, Thor or Set, where it's, we're reading it and we're just like, okay, they're on their way to the hut, let's get in, let's get them into the mix, right, okay, but it's literally like Thor and Seth are doing their thing. And then out of nowhere, things just like, I'm here now, punch. <laughs> you know. I uh, sure I, hope you're the bad guy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just, it's a, for us, we have the context for the lead up to that. But for Thor and Seth, it's like a Kool-Aid man moment. Yeah. It's, it's generally just like, 
Oh yeah, man! <laughs> a dude, and... ostensibly made of rock, just came through the window or through the wall and punched the shit out of you. And even Thor has to be like, "Okay, th- you're here now." <laughs> but at least Thor knows him. Yeah, like Seth is just like do do do, and then out of nowhere, rock monster. <laughs> like <laughs> anyway, so there's that. Uh... That's number one. I'm done. Okay. Uh, so before number five, I do have to give a special shout out to black people. Allow me, a white man, to tell you about injustice. Um, but number five, never follow a voice into the woods. No. Don't, in general, don't follow voices. No. But... But like, don't follow a voice into the fucking woods. Never follow a date to a second location, <laughs> and never follow a disembodied voice into the woods. Yeah, no. These are these are hard lessons. Hard, hard lessons. But you know what? I'm glad he's I'm... never going to do that again, is he? Uh, no. Uh so yeah. So number four is. Thor thinks it's Loki because it's oh, always that's Loki. the best part. I forgot about that. Uh, I just, I love the idea that like Thor is Show just yourself, like, Loki. Somebody, <laughs> somebody's attacking. It's got to be, Lo- it's either Loki or it's someone working for Loki. Who's it going to be? Set. <laughs> what? Uh, okay. It's, yeah. Are you still pissed off about the hand? Is that what this is? Yeah. Uh, number three is those Son of Satan covers. Because uh, those were... I Really good. A lot of a lot of times... Like, I make note of covers um, as I'm as I'm going. I will... I will look at a cover and it will... You know, I think that there are a few things that I will judge a cover by. One is how representative is it of what's going on in the issue? Sure. Uh, and the other is, is it well constructed? Is it, you know, is it laid out properly? Is it interesting? Is it dynamic? Mm-hmm. And uh, Son of Satan did that this week. So I was thinking about, the, since you brought it up, I was thinking about the one... For where he goes to the fun house of elemental horrors. And uh, the cover for that one is the water and the water demons pouring in through one of the windows. And I don't know why, but it feels like a, it feels very Bill Allred cover. Like, just the way that the shapes and the construction. Bill, uh, is Mike it, Allred? Mike Allred. Yeah, okay. I was close. No, yeah, I just wanted to. I was like trying to. I was trying to sit there and be like, "What does he fucking? What does he actually mean? He's wrong." That's somebody I'm not like. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, I. Yeah. That that cover does do a phenomenal job uh, of getting you getting you excited because that co- when you look at the cover of Son of Satan number six. It is. You're just like, what the fuck is going on? And yeah. it is. It's mer. It's water pouring in, and these mer people 
trying to drown Damon. Yeah. Uh, the the water and the flow of the people draws your eye. So you start at the top and you've got the Son of Satan logo. Then it draws your eye from the top right to the bottom left. It's just really well plotted out. And uh, several of those this week in that book. So, yeah. Uh, number two... It, this is a this is a really tough one for me because one one of my top two is one that <clears throat> I genuinely thought was just fucking awesome, and one is one that I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and uh, so one and two are kind of interchangeable in that regard, uh, but basically, on the one hand. You have uh, T'Challa with the with the uh, Molotov cocktail because that was fucking cool. Um, and on the other hand, you have a man died, Monica. A man died. Can you not? Can you? Can just... you not make this some like erotic fan fiction you're writing here? Like. I know it's been a bit of a week, but like, chill. Yeah. Please, yeah. chill. So, yeah. Not uh, only that, but you're also like still being, having, you're definitely, your house is going to be on fire before this is over. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, next week, we've got uh, some Marvel team up. We've got some Avengers, which right. we haven't had in a bit. Uh, and then we've got several issues of Supervillain Team-Up. Uh, you know... I Team-Up number one wasn't terrible. Team-Up number two was very... Namor, why are you doing this? I don't remember why. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my best... I have been surprised enough in doing this that I try not to get too, like, ugh, about anything. Yeah. But it's hard sometimes. Like, but whatever. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, that is it for us this week. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, sorry. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, both individually and at Watchers Guide MU. I've only been doing this 125 times, for fuck's sake. Um, email us at watchersguide.gmail.com or visit our website at watchersguide.com. Do check out our the first episode of our new series with Mickey Lexa is available uh, both at our website at watchersguide.com. Uh, on YouTube, uh, Mickey did an awesome video for the podcast to then appear on there. Uh, and then uh, iTunes. We just got it uh, approved by iTunes. It is up and live. Um, <clears throat> Google Play is a problem. They're, they're being... It's been a while since I've done this. It's been a while, like, when I launched this... Like, there was a steep learning curve in trying to get shit. Because the tags and all of that shit. And yeah. 
So this time around, setting it up was quicker, but I had to remember like all of the stuff I'd forgotten since then. But man, Google Play is being an asshole. Like, I I submitted it to iTunes, and they're like, "Cool, we're good to go." We're mm. got it. Uh, I submitted it to Google Play, and they're like, "You need a title, an author, and an email address." And I'm like, "That's all on there." And they're like, "I'm like." Da, da 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 Checked it. It's all good. Resubmitted it. It's like, you need a title, an author. And I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. So, I don't, I'm trying with Google Does Play. It need to be... We can talk about it later. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so that's it for us this week. Have a marvelous week. Bye. Bye.